The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on uh, Twitter. You can find me at, uh, no, excuse me. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. Uh, and those sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. Hold on. Hold on, not sure where my uh, cash register went. There it is! Yes, I'm sure it, it was surely missed after that um, after after that last show that I did of the news. But um, folks, you can still check that out in the, in the uh, archives. <laughs> and uh, you can check out this show on uh, the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today! You can also check out this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, be it um, uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coles of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, what is that? Okay. Not gonna, All right. Um, you can also find us uh, every Thursday night where we're where we record on um, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles and youtube.com slash the click nation I appreciate folks coming through for you know for watching this record uh, it is always appreciated uh, as a matter of fact like I said uh, on twitch uh, if you feel like uh, helping us out you know uh, give us a follow on, on that so we can get our um, get our follows up we just need like 20 30 more to um to do some things sure and always and as always remember to click like and subscribe wherever you find us whether it be via any podcast uh place of your choice or on youtube oh and click the notification uh alarm bell too we gotta gotta remind you to uh listen in you know gotta get that notification when we're uh, recording or broadcasting live yeah, that, and that goes for Twitch and YouTube, right? Yeah, that's Twitch and YouTube in those places. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, folks, we are going to get into um, discussing Loki episode six, the final episode of season one. 
Right. So, of course, you know, we do have the spoiler warning up front in the audio show. But seriously, folks, we are going to spoil the living hell out of the entire Loki show. And we're probably going to spoil the heck out of the entire MCU because this finale has long-reaching ramifications. It really does. So I'm going to ring the spoiler bell, so get ready to fast-forward from this point on and maybe go a good 15 and then maybe 20 minutes. Oh. So we'll see. Yeah, but, I hope it's no more than 20. Right, but we'll see because this spoiler-filled discussion may last a bit. So you are forewarned up front in three... Two, one, spoilers incoming. So, this uh, episode is. What is it called? Hold on, let me back up for a second because I'm trying to. I totally forgot what I was doing here. For all time, always. Thank you. That is the name of the episode. And it starts off with um, obviously the, the, uh, the previous line on, but. And this part I was kind of loving when it, when it came in. The Marvel Studios treatment is a little bit different here because it starts off with various sound bites uh, from uh, other Marvel cinematic movies and shows. Well, yeah, actually movies and shows. Actually. Yeah. Specifically more movies and stuff. But also some real, um, real world quotes from folks um, of note. Um, which one of which will probably come back up when we talk about the comics, which is kind of funny. Sure. Um, I think but, I saw. I, I think I, I I happen to be watching with subtitles on. I know Roddy Cat has said in the past that he always watches with subtitles on. Uh, so it was interesting to see that Greta Thunberg was in there. Malala Yousafzai Malala. was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Angelou. Yeah. Alan Watts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see their names pop up next to, you know, like with their, uh, with their, uh, their quotes, uh, being spoken. Right. I believe, um, was it, wait, was it Buzz Aldrin or? Neil Armstrong. One small Neil step Armstrong. for man. Thank yeah. You. Yes, yes. There we go. I knew it was one. I can't remember, can't remember the one. But yes, definitely uh, them too. So yeah, so we start off with that and, and, and you know, doing the, the, the normal um, um, going into the Marvel Studios treatment. But like I said, we got that. And, the, and, um, and at the end of that, it just went into a whole bunch of uh, like sound bites, all just bunched together, including uh, uh, Hulk's like puny god, and that was the only one I could make out. And then everything else just got jumbled up in itself uh, before going into the thing. Was there a language in there? I could have sworn there was, but I'm not sure. I'm not. Sure. I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to go back and check it. But either way, yeah, yeah. Like I, I watched it. A, watched it a couple of times. I'm like, hmm, let's see what I could, I could pick up. But I don't. I don't. I don't know. That's quite possible. But anyway, we go, um, um, we, we cut to, um, the, I guess the, the void, not the void, but the end of, or near the end of time, I guess, and some asteroid that looks like a, um, like a donut has been eaten from the inside. Um, and then, and it gets closer and we cut to see, uh, Loki and Sylvie standing on said asteroid and looking at the castle that, um, that uh that they saw uh at the end of last episode um uh but then it cuts to them at the door where um you know sylvie's looking kind of nervous because she, because she was like um she was like a 
going up to the door and like she was about to knock it down and then she kind of stops and it's like so you're not going to say anything <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to say we should you know we should do something a little different you know but because you can see she's like really nervous uh, about it uh, and and Loki's like no I nothing to say I'm like that's unusual um, but but then he starts to say something and she's like oh, I'm I've been waiting for this all my basically I've been waiting for this all my life. I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit to take in. So, you know, shut up. Give me a second. Lucky's like, all right, <laughs> you got this. But uh, right after that, the door opens up by itself. So it doesn't really matter. They uh, kind of walk in and they get greeted by Miss Minutes. Who welcomes them to the Citadel at the end of time. I admit to being a little bit, uh, to having a little bit of a jump scare with that when she popped out. I was like, oh, Miss mm-hmm. Minutes. That was a little mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, well, one, uh, outside of being, like I told you earlier, I was slightly spoiled on this one. And I, I kind of figured she was going to show up at some point, but I didn't think it was going to be this early. Um, so she shows up, talks to him, like, hey, you made it this far, and this and that and the other, but then she starts talking like, hey, you know, he can give you anything you want, pretty much making a, a bargain, trying to make a bargain with them, uh, to, I guess, to keep them from going forward um, with 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 uh, what they were doing. Um, and, of course, she names He Who Remains, which... Um, I at first I was like I don't remember that from being in the comics, but apparently on the, after a little bit of research, that is definitely still the person you know. That is a name for a version of the person that ends up showing up in a little bit. Right, right, uh, definitely. A, I should say a version of a version. <laughs> right, and it, and it's definitely the per, the uh, the the name of the character who is responsible for the TVA in the comics at first. Yes. Uh, and yes, that that is correct. I did see that in, in my um. In my research, so um, and she basically was like, "Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's kind of crazy, but he can work it out. He can make it so that um, you know, Loki could um, get all the Infinity Stones, kill Thanos, can basically can rule like he wants to, and he's and um, and give Sylvie a lifetime of happy memories, if I remember correctly." Um, and they think it's over, so they're like, "No, this is this is this is a sound like a trap." And um, they were like, no, basically no deal. And then Miss Mendes just disappeared, and they keep running, walking through this um, this castle. After you know, after she starts to sweeten the deal, but it's a trap. Yes, basically. Um. So, oh yeah, and then we see uh, Miss Mendes actually going to Ravana Re- Re- Rensley's office, uh, and she offers some files on behalf of who, he who remains, but she doesn't say this. She basically says that um, Ravana looks at the... Uh, I mean, she basically says, hey, I'm downloading the um, the, the files um, right now. Ravana, Ravana looks at the temp pad and is like, these are not the pod, these are not the files I wanted. Uh, and Ms. Mendes is like, yeah, but these are the ones she, that he thought was um, that would be necessary. Um, right. She didn't or, even or, wave. Or, she didn't even wave her hands and say, "These are not the files you're looking for." Exactly. And re- to which Ravana's like, "Who?" And Ms. Minnis is like, "Who?" <laughs> so uh, there is that. So cut back to Loki and Sylvie, who goes to um, who's going through the castle. Uh, a door opens up to re- to reveal 
said he who remains in the form of one Jonathan Majors, of which we know who's going to be Kang in uh, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Right, so this is the big reveal of this episode, and I, for one, did not expect to see this reveal in this episode or this show or in a streaming show. Right. Because I will be, you know, in, in, in the most frank way possible, I was dumbstruck because I never expected them to introduce a major villain who we know has already been... Uh, uh, cast and put into play in the next Ant-Man and Wasp movie, in Quantumania. So we never, ever thought we would see a villain of this magnitude be introduced in a Disney Plus show, which is in- astounding to me. And it just goes to show that what I said at the end uh, in the theater as we were leaving, as my friends and I were leaving. Uh, Black Widow, that is. What I said still rings even more true, which is the Disney Plus shows are absolutely required viewing in order for people to keep up with everything that's going on in the MCU as a whole and and to keep up with the movies. In a sense, you can forego it, but it's, you miss out on too much. Right. Especially going going to Black Widow, um, a particular point in the uh, in the in the end credit scene because there's you know because of something or someone that shows up there. Exactly, uh, and you know, for anyone who's looking for our discussion on that and exactly what I said and what what my experience in the movie theater was with that actual uh, phenomenon coming into play, go back and check out our previous episode. Uh, episode 424 mm-hmm. for that reaction. Yep. But moving right along. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so yeah, they run into uh, He Who Remains, which is Jonathan Major in, in a robe that looks like it's kind of, sort of, like it's a it's purple robe. Doesn't have the green uh, the, the, the green tenses of Immortus, but we I'm guessing this is supposed to be uh, an Immortus, or kind of sort of Immortus. Immortus. We don't necessarily know, because you do see a little thing on, on his um. Ultimately, on his... ultimately, how it's explained is all we need to know is that it's a variant. And it's the right. variant uh, concept that is probably going to be one of the lasting changes from this show that moves forward into the MCU. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know about variant covers, but we never knew about variant characters. We knew about what if. We knew about multiverses, but not necessarily about variants and this concept of variants. Right, and the concept of variants is pretty much the same thing as alternate universes, and they just gave it a... a, a, Right, they gave it a name. name. Right, they gave it a name (laughs) that has its roots, at least for the comic book collectors, in variant covers. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it's it's really cool how that has come full circle. That term has come full circle in comic dumb or comic yeah, book it's, dumb. It's, yeah, in, indeed, indeed. Um, so um, so yeah, Jonathan Majors, he remains is is uh, chomping on an apple, and he basically takes them to the office. They get in this um, this elevator. Uh, with him in front and them behind them, almost like Ravana R- and going to the, the TVA chamber, uh, and they try to kill him. It doesn't work because he's warping around because you know he's 
he's um he as he says later on he knows what's happening he knows you know what you're all gonna do so he could just zip around you know so you could he knows how to keep them from uh killing them um and his last zip is pretty much out of the uh elevator and into the office where the next thing we see is the the, the elevator door opening up and he's right there still jumping on the al- apple and talking about you know saying come on in uh we shoot back to the tba with uh, Mobius returning from the void and confronts Ravana, she re- apologizes for him to uh, for pruning him, uh, and says he got into the way of the mission. And they have a discussion. Um, and when she puts after she puts in a call for backup, which doesn't come because apparently um, uh, B fifteen, played by Wunmi Masaku, uh, is uh, being pursued by the, the, the Minuteman that she was trying to call in. So the backup she, uh, she was trying to call in would never uh, would never come. But she we come to find out that um, uh, B-15 is in Fremont, Ohio in 2018. Um, who apparently, yeah, yeah she, the, the fact that she got out of, out of the prison she was in some kind of way, we just, oh well, I guess we already knew that because well, did actually? Anyway, she got free free from prison because she was the, the last we saw her before then she was in prison. She was in a prison, so she got freed at some point. Um, after helping the uh, after helping Loki and Sylvie, so we can assume it was probably by uh, Morpheus, uh, Morpheus, uh, Mobius, but we don't know. Regardless, um, she goes into an office of this of uh, this high school, um, and leads um leads this other midman to the um to this office. And come to discover that the the principal whose office this is is uh, a variant of Ravana Renslayer, who's asking, "What the hell are you doing in my office?" And we also come to find out apparently where that pin, that Franklin Roosevelt pin, uh, came from because it came from that this office. So I guess B fifteen was trying to uh, get get the uh, this other um, get this other Miniman in there just to see the variant and to start to explain what's going on. But we cut back to the castle and Loki and Sylvie begin to realize that their plans of uh, murder are falling apart according to this, this recap we're using. <laughs> um, especially when he remains pulled out of script for this very concept. Of, so yeah, so he basically pulls out and like, nope, you can't kill me because I know everything that's happened starts pulling out basically receipts. <laughs> as as um, some would say, um, look really like, like you know, with uh, pretty much the stuff was being said, almost like um, the sheet that uh, Lucky was given in the beginning when right. uh, was told to sign, sign, uh, sign here. Um, so that's kind of funny. Uh, he's like, yeah, you can't, you know. Like he basically says, like, hey, all this happened is because it's supposed to, which is the thing we've heard before in the show, and that it needs to happen. Um, So um, he's like, then we cut back to uh, 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 Ravana and Mobius, who, um, who who says that who uh, Ravana says that the Mobius to Mobius that the timekeepers are a necessary lie, and that it uh, you know to, to, in order to keep some order this has to be a, a, a thing, um, and then they have a good conversation about free will, and she says that the only person who can have free will is the person that's in charge. Um, and she accuses Mobius of uh, betraying her and their friendship uh, in supporting the Lokis, which I don't know if you can make that as out. He must have done this before or something, because I don't know. Does 
it seemed like they've been friends for a long time, but there's some things that he doesn't know about, apparently, in, uh, in that exchange, so we don't know. Um, so he pleads and says they, they can make something better together, but she gets her temp pad uh, off the table. Well, excuse me, yeah, that's right. She um, He tries to go at her with the, with the pruning stick, and she takes it from him <laughs> quite handily, but then um, turns it off, grabs her... Um, grabs her uh, temp pad and goes through a time door saying that she's going to search for free will and we never see her again after this <laughs> but maybe we will in Ant-Man and Wasp right right so you know we're obviously spoiling the hell out of this show so this was the first clue and I've and I've said this on the show and I've said this in in, in, in spots anecdotally uh and it, this show definitely felt like it was not going to end with one season. And we'll get to it, but it turns out that, you know, we don't see what happens to Ravona because, and it's logical that this is the next uh, statement, there's going to be a season two. Yes. And again, we'll, we'll definitely get to that. But uh, well, we, we will revisit that. Uh, in a few. But to continue, um, so we cut back to the castle. He Who Remains explains that uh, he, you know, his methods are deceptive, but, you know, they work and, and it's all in a part of making sure everything doesn't go crazy and burn down, as he says. Uh, he goes on to explain his uh, backstory. He also uses the words, uh, some some folks call him a ruler, um, um, uh, a conqueror, which is Pretty much saying, you know, pretty much uh, as a nod to his um, Kang the Conqueror uh, name. Exactly, exactly. And at this point, if you weren't familiar with the announcement that Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang, I was familiar with his face, not necessarily with all of his work, but I had seen right. pictures of the actor when the announcement for Kang had gone out for uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So mm -hmm. when I saw him, I was like, I think that's him. Right, without mm -hmm. without immediately snapping to that's absolutely him. Just because right. I'm not that familiar with his face, but right. as soon as I, right, oh sorry, I mean just 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 uh, my point is right. as Go soon ahead. as he mentioned his role and what he was doing, and obviously everyone's supposed to know by this point that it's Kang. But it just served to confirm for me because I just wasn't a hundred percent familiar with his face. Go on, right. Whereas, I, no, I was just going to say that, whereas I was familiar with his face because I've seen Lovecraft come church, which is like the first time I'd ever seen him. So that's how I knew he was him. And so having the face with the name was like, okay, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I already, that, that was uh, what I knew. And obviously, and there are, I'm sure there were people who have watched Lovecraft Country, uh, even if they didn't know that he was going to be, uh, and that it was probably still shocked to see him in this, regardless. Right. Um... Although I would, I would, I would think the Venn diagram probably has some intersecting part to it, kind of, you know, kinda. between those two show, these two respective shows. But in any event, moving on. Yeah, yeah, I guess in a, in a way, kind of. Um, but yes, uh, so he is on to continuing to explain his backstory. He's a scientist from the 31st century. Um, 
uh, Varen discovered universes. I think he basically discovered that the, the multiverse existed and saw uh, and found other variants of him. And basically, it sounds like he uh, ended up sounding like the Council of Kings um, ended up being a thing here. But um, of course, some versions sought conquest rather than communication, and that caused a war between them all, and uh, which led this, which led him to eventually um, make the TVA is the long and short of it. Um, they don't necessarily go into the, the variants and their names or whatnot, but we kind of, at this point, we kind of know who, you know, who who is what in this situation. You know, and I'm pretty sure we'll probably find out a little bit more uh, as the next, as this phase goes on anyway. So, um, but it says here, let's see, Oh yeah, and then it started talking about um, uh, Alioth. Is it wait? What is it? How's it pronounced? Is that how? Goliath. 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 Like Goliath. Like Goliath. Goliath. Yeah, Goliath without the G. Got it. So Goliath. I keep fucking that up. I don't know why. Um, But so he's talking about the ended up the conversation of going into uh, Goliath and um, him finding them and turning basically turning them into the guard dog for for. for this uh, monster, and I mean, for this, uh, for all realities, and um, basically, him making the Shark Tank that uh, that helps uh, keep the timelines clean at a certain point. Uh, so he says he used uh, Eliath uh, and ended the war and isolated the timeline, and then he created the TBA uh, and pretty much had everything a, a nice little neat bureaucracy, as he says, uh, to kind of keep everything in line. So he's basically saying he's not evil. Um, he's not evil, but he's a, a dictator in, in, in all of that. Um, uh, and so he then goes on to say, hey, you have a choice. Kill him, take over the TVA, or um, because because he's kind of tired of, of, I guess, doing it at some point, or uh, them two uh, being Loki and Sylvie um. Yeah, either kill him or take over the TVA. Basically, uh, those are the two choices. So Sylvie still at this point still wants to kill him. Loki's starting to think, you know, hey, maybe we should chill and and think about this for a second. Um. So. So Loki and Sylvie end up going into a fight at some point. Um. And all the while, um, you know, the, the, we see the, in the back behind Kang the time frame, the time um, timeline still kind of branching off, uh, but we don't see the, the the red line like we normally do. Uh, so Loki and Sylvie kind of fight for a little bit, and then Loki starts. Loki actually gets into the fight uh, to to stop what she's doing, uh, and then. I believe this is when the uh, the thunder starts to happen after they calm down again. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. I think so. Yeah, so basically... Um, or maybe this was before that fight. I don't, I don't know. Um, but regardless, uh, so they're sitting there talking. The, the Apparently, they've crossed the threshold because there's a lot of thunder, and uh, he remains here, and this is like, I don't have no idea what's going on after this because, you know, now we're at a point of... Um, where, where nothing's written. Um, 
So, yeah, he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Um, okay, yes, and this is when the fight between Sylvie and Loki fights, because, uh, yeah, because Sylvie pretty much goes for it. He remains. Loki stops her. They get into the fight. Um, but then he gets to uh, where he calms her down after uh, a couple of minutes. And, and he remains is just over there eating his apple, just like having a good old time watching the whole fight. Like, yeah, this is all good. Um, and of course, he also seeded kind of some seeds of doubt within both of them because they were talking about, well, you can't trust him. And, you know, and, you know, uh, you know, whatever he said for Loki um, until, like I said, Loki kind of. Uh, calms her down but she turns the table uh, and knocks him through a time portal back to the TVA as we will find out uh, then Sylvie stabs he who remains and basically who dies in, not before saying I'll see you soon kind of looking kind of right uh, he kind of dies happy right which is disconcerting and we will find out very soon why he kind of got what he wanted Right, because actually he, yeah, yeah, because because in the two choices that was given, because he basically says kill him and uh, kill him, which will unleash a whole bunch of other variants of him uh, that are way could, that could be way worse. Which is why Loki was like, hold on, maybe we shouldn't do this or take over the TVA, you know. But since Sylvie, being who she is, killed him, and yeah, I guess this seemingly might have must have given him what he wanted, or because even in in that scenario. And time being a circle, he's. It sounds like he's going to end up back in the same position again at some point. From from what it sounds like, or what it did sound like, because even when he said, "Well, you killed me," and I still end up back here somewhere, you know, running this thing again at some point. Um, so anyway, um, so after uh, Sylvie kills him, she sits on the floor like crying or something. I can't remember what she was doing, but she was kind of weighing it out or, or well something. yeah she I think she was starting to process the ramifications mm-hmm. of her decision because she essentially was acting she acts here in defiance of Loki's believe it or not logic because mm-hmm. Loki is the one who figures out that uh, he who remains is actually telling the truth about what would happen, what the possible ramifications are, and Sylvie's not hearing any of it. She just wants what she wants because she wants satisfaction. She wants her revenge. So she takes, you know, she takes action to gain her revenge and to gain her own satisfaction at the, you know, at the sacrifice, at the, at the, you know, to to the ill of uh, everyone else. And that's definitely one part of this part that's one way the storyline decided to play out right so um but yeah it's it's it's, it's been great even getting up to this to this point right here because um after so after all of that and you might have just said it but uh the timeline starts to crackle um i almost called it the curvy crackle but that's not necessarily the ah, here. no not here not here yeah um, but uh, the timeline starts spinning. You can see outside in the window, and starts and the branching gets way worse. Um, and back at the TVA, we see um, Mobius and B15 together, and they're repeating the TVA mantra, which is the title, basically the title of this episode for all time, always. Um, 
And then we cut to uh, cut to Loki, who's somewhere else in the TVA uh, as he gets bounced out of the Citadel. Uh, and he's just sitting there silently because it makes you think like he's gonna go evil again. Because he's like, because he feels like it looks like credit to Tom Tom Hiddleston because he looks like he's going through a few different emotions in, in this one, almost like he did when in the the first episode when he saw himself getting killed, right? And, and saw and, and and you know, and um, his mom getting killed and everything else, and and you know that that he knew. Well, actually, that he didn't know that was gonna happen. Um, uh, right, time. right, exactly. Everything that happens to Loki in uh, Infinity War, right, and, and Ragnarok. So yeah, and Ragnarok, and yeah, and and uh, and the Dark World. Um, but anyway, so, uh, but yeah, he's just like sitting there for a minute. And you can see like uh, uh, just emotions just going over his face until he, but until he gets up and starts running off, um, and he goes. Uh, he, we see him stopping a couple of places and then just kind of pause and then start running off again. Goes to the library where he comes across Mobius and B-15 and they're talking about the branch and stuff. Um, and uh, Loki pretty much runs up on him and it's like, hey, there's countless versions of uh, he, you know, uh, of this dude coming. Like, he's a big bad. You know, we gotta, we gotta, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do something to stop it. Um, and then this is when we find out the other big reveal is that um, uh, Mobius is like, who are you? Are you an analyst? Like, what is your name? Who are you? So they basically don't know who Loki is at this point. Which, right. Which means that the timeline has definitely changed. Exactly. And we don't know how. Exactly. At least with regards to Loki and his identity in this particular timeline. Right. So, um, so... You know, as, as this is happening, Loki kind of looks out upon the the library and he sees um, what should have been a familiar statue uh, that was in there in previous episodes, but the statue has now changed. Right, it would have been three. Like it would have been three statues. Huh? It would have been three statues. Wait, you're uh, you're you're muted. It would have been three statues. Sorry about that. Oh yeah, you're right because it would have been the, the all three time characters. You're absolutely right. So we see one statue, and it is of He Who Remains, um, you know, in, in the form that we saw him in, which means that the, the one again, like I said, the timeline is because even when uh, before Loki runs up on him, uh, B fifteen and Mobius is like he wants us to do what? We're like all these timelines are branching. Like what are we supposed to do with, with all of this? You know that that kind of situation. So. It's clear that they are taking their order from somewhere from and that that somewhere is probably him, given that given that information. And then like I said, not knowing who Loki is for for whatever reason, how the timeline played, and then cutting out in almost uh Planet of the Ape style <laughs> um looks at, looks out and sees the statue is like You blew uh, not you blew it up. It wouldn't be that part of it. But um I guess the new the remake of the the, the Planet of the Apes. Now that I think about it, where they go to the wash uh, the the Lincoln Memorial, and the Lincoln Memorial is like I saw this on a video. That's why I, I was about to say you got me. Movie. I didn't watch the movie. Yeah, I, that's I, the Walbur version, like, right? Yes. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't movie, watch that. But I didn't get to the whole thing. But I, yeah. didn't get, I didn't get to that part. Like if it wasn't for this the, the this video that I saw, it was it was that. But also I kind of see it because there's there's been similar things in in films that you know. That are similar to it, so it was a good little reveal. Like at, at the end of it, as also, which is like, well, there you go. So, um, and then that in the show, 
And, uh, and this is where we find out where we get the uh, season two because we don't get this um, uh, uh, end credit scene, but we just get, um, you know, it goes to the. We get a var- we get a version of an end credit scene. We don't get a true end credit scene. Yeah, basically. But all it but all it really is is like you know it goes through the motion, then it gets to the point, and we see uh, a folder gets. Well, I guess we see Loki's file right. get stamped with season two. So when that's when we find out uh, Loki's going to get season two. Exactly. And then it goes into the rest of the, the credits, and and that ends the show. So it's um it was a it was a big. I haven't seen too many people be disappointed by uh, this episode. Now I've seen people obviously uh, you know um, come going into this episode or going into the show much less you know because of you know expectations we don't even have to go into that. Right. But I'm pretty sure. For the most people's um, reactions to what happened in this episode, you know, was all positive for the most part. I think so because yeah. at least the the anecdotal evidence that I have is that a lot of people were just not feeling where the show was going, and I think they really did an excellent job of laying the seeds for several things. That, you know, as I said earlier, made me suspect very strongly that they were not going to try to wrap things up in six episodes, that they were going to go beyond that. So I thought that once we got to episode five and where it was, all I could think of was there's no way they could finish this off in one episode. There has to be a second season. And I was right. Now, not that I'm patting myself on the back, per se. Right. But ultimately, that's how they played it out. Again, I cannot stress this enough. I was flabbergasted, dumbstruck when I saw Jonathan Majors. I was like, I can't believe, I could not believe they introduced such a major villain who's going to play a role in the future of the MCU on one of the uh, MCU Disney Plus shows. And uh, what's crazy about it is that we still have several villains who are on deck, who are still, or on the bench, still, who still have not yet been used. And Kang is going to play a role since they have equated the whole multiverse thing and variants with timelines. So, and obviously they, you know, they go hand in hand, but, you know, the way the concept was, uh, uh, was, uh, set forth and portrayed in Loki, I think is a primer for everyone to understand how these multiverses come into play here in the MCU, the way they have decided to portray it. So, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that the first two Disney plus shows and a lot of people taking the big picture, you know, taking the forest view of the MCU, uh, post Endgame, kind of post Far From Home, where we're kind of getting into Phase Four proper. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks have been kind of trying to come up with a way to take to to put these shows into perspective, and so I think the first two shows, I think properly put properly into perspective, are really the post Endgame shows. They're the mm-hmm. ones that deal with the aftermath, that deal with the fallout of Endgame, and now we have Loki. Who, of course, of course, is not dealing with the aftermath of Endgame because he died at Infinity War. But this variant is the one who is essentially the aftermath, uh, part of the aftermath of Endgame, part of the fallout from Endgame. And it is his character who leads us into 
Phase 4 proper, I think. At least in mm-hmm. terms of this show setting the stage for where the show, where the movies and the shows in Phase 4 are going to go. At yeah, least big picture-wise. Right. Yeah, that definitely seems to be the case. Um, definitely seems. So, um, um, actually, we got a very good question here uh, uh, in the... Um, in the uh, in the chat, shout out to my girl Sharayu, Sarayu, who's in the chat. Is it YouTube? Um, I was about to say, is it YouTube or Twitch? Uh, Twitch. Okay. Who uh, who is asking? Is there any? Because she hasn't seen the shows. Um. Yeah, she hasn't seen any of the of the the the, the Marvel shows on D- or Disney Plus, and she was asking if there were if there's a recommended order to watch them in, and I basically said in the chat, no. They release order. Together like release yeah. order. Yeah, just watch well, them in I mean, release yeah, order. You could, yeah, you could very well do that, but they don't connect with each other in any mean, in, in any kind of way. Right, but at the same time, I think if you watch them in release order, you get the big picture the way I just described it. Whereas those yeah. first two shows are the like the true aftermath and the heroes kind kind of coming together and picking up their own pieces and helping the yes. world pick up their pieces. Whereas Loki really is, I think, the bridge between Phase Three and Phase Four, um, where we you know we we've got this gigantic concept of the yeah. multiverse and variants and varying timelines. So. You know, I think that is. I think the way it was released is the way to watch it, and I'm kind of curious to see. I'm curious to see how. Um, well, I've I've read somewhere. I don't know if you have it in the news. I've read that um, one of the actors who is part of the What If series is saying that the What If series may actually play a bigger role than we think in setting up the stage for the multiverse and the future of the MCU. So I have seen. Uh, yeah, I've seen stuff. I don't think I'm not sure if I have that in there either, but I've definitely seen where they were like, yeah, they're setting up a multiversal Avengers and it's definitely going to be um, what if it's definitely going to play a bigger uh, role than we some think of a role. Exactly. Yeah, a bigger role than we think, because as comic book fans, we know the concept of what if and we appreciate it. It's the people who are coming in are like, oh, OK, so it's a simple concept. It's literally a two word concept. Right. What if? But mm-hmm. whether or not as a as a as a, you know, whether or not this show pr- uh, serves as a vehicle for expanding on the idea of these multiversal concepts and the variants and all that stuff coming into play, that's left for the show to show us. So right. it's it's it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What I'm trying to figure out is I guess there's going to be at least two kind of tracks that the shows and the movies are going to play on because there are still grounded is the term a lot of people use for them kind of street level heroes that are going to be part of the MCU going forward they're not all going to be involved in the or at least not up front they're not all going to be involved or right away be involved in all the timey-wimey universal consequences stuff. We're going to get a Shang-Chi, you know, kind of a a ground-level hero. We're still going to get two Hawkeyes and a Black Widow or a White Widow, you know, ground-level heroes coming up in the very near future. Right, so we're still mm-hmm. going to have that. But so, so what I so essentially what I'm saying is we're having two parallel tracks. We're getting the multiversal 
time stuff. And we're still getting our, our, our dose of ground level heroes who are going to give us, you know, the, 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 the grounded human takes on these stories. And so it'll be interesting to see how they intertwine those two, because eventually they did that with Cap and Spidey, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Iron Man to an extent. But, you know, they all eventually weave together into these gigantic stories. It'll be interesting to see how they do that with these newer characters. Right. So, yeah, uh, so that's pretty much the episode. Um, I think, yeah, to, to, to wrap back around real quick to that. Um, yeah, and for, uh, and for anybody who's uh, fast-forwarded, yeah, we're still talking about Loki, but we're talking about the big-picture stuff for the MCU, too. Yes. In fact, I think we might... Um, we might... Uh, I thought that we could probably, because there is a little bit of news Loki-related... Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll, we'll save it. Right. We'll, if we'll, anyone we'll, is interested we'll, in the first appearance, uh, the the first appearance of multiple, the idea of multiple multiple Kangs, or at least um, the introduction mm-hmm. of the comic concept of the the Council of Kangs, you have to go back to Avengers, the first volume, issues number two sixty seven through two sixty nine. These are actually. Uh, comics that were being released in our formative comic book years. Um, this is uh, Roger Stern and Big John Buscema on uh, the create the main creative teams, the, uh, the 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 writer and the artist. And um, this is just prior to the siege on Avengers Mansion. Right, but on the, but on I guess quote unquote smaller scale. Uh, if you're just in tune to the MCU, the, the, I guess the closest thing we got to it was the the two cats fight from um, from Endgame, where they were where Cap was fighting himself, or another version of himself. That's kind of in a way a, a similar sim, a similar part of it. But yes, the comic book was a comic um, version of that is what uh, AD70 said. So. Um, wrap it back, like roll one quick, and then we can just kind of go on. So the the we said mentioned that the uh, the the the, um, the Marvel Studios treatment had a bunch of stunts clips from uh, various movies, uh, various of the MCU movies. It's kind of curious the particular ones that they used. That is that is kind of curious. Um, okay, is there? A, do you have a list of them? Uh, yes, in fact, the uh, that CNET article does have um, does definitely have that. Um, so we, it starts off with Sam Wilson from uh, Civil War. To my way to go, Tic Tac when he's talking to uh, uh, Ant Man. Uh, then it's uh, that's how you punch Hope Van Dyne from Ant Man, which that's kind of curious. Uh, Wakanda Forever from Black Panther. Uh, you shouldn't you wouldn't have heard from me. That's from Ant Man. With um. I guess let me put you on hold from Avengers. Uh, Dance off, bro, from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's a friend for work. Thor Ragnarok. Um, the aforementioned um, uh, in-game fight. I can do this all day, and yeah, I know. Uh, the from the cat fight from in-game. But then there's like, but you know, like I said, it kind of goes on. There. Like I said, there's there's um, uh, Hank Pym uh, says uh, I'll show you ferocity from Ant Man. You know, then there's a. Um, Higher, further, faster, baby from from uh, Captain Marvel. So, like that, they're kind of hitting different points, um, uh, back and forth. And then, can, and then after that, after what Loki says, and um, oh yeah, and that the Korg uh, says, uh, "We're gonna jump in that spaceship and get out of here. You want to come?" 
like there's like curious as to why they chose those particular uh sound bites to use and then it kind of goes into the real world um the real world uh sound bites from folks and then kind of ends with sylvie from uh episode five saying open your eyes oh yeah and then there's that that vision what is what is grief but if not if not love persevering persevering uh line from wandavision right wasn't that the last one uh, Didn't they close with that one? I could no, be wrong. It was it was one of the last ones. Okay. The, the the very last one it says according to this it says it was, it was simply saying open your eyes. Oh okay. Um, I don't um, count that one. <laughs> That's part of the show. Yeah, I I, I know. Um, but in between that is like a, a quote from my Angelou saying, uh, and then I guess there's a sign. I mean, a song that apparently we must have heard. That, that we apparently have heard in Captain America before that uh, gets kind of revisited. Uh, but anyway, like I said, the, the only reason why I bring that up is because, like, yeah, they chose... There, there's, there has to be a reason why they chose those, and I'm kind of wondering if they are. If there's going to be... Like, one, I'm also wondering if we're going to get super Secret Wars, but two, I'm kind of wondering in one of the multiverses, are we going to get a proper uh, Avengers finding out of it somehow some way you know because that because it's weird for them to put the 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 uh the Nadia and hank pym stuff in there or in the scott stuff but i don't know like it's a speculation i don't know i'm looking forward to whatever sequel words they're gonna end up doing and i suppose as long as we can get thor's (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's not gonna be you know my 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 heart would leap at the idea of the classic Marvel superhero Secret Wars, because yeah. that's just a that's just a, a, a off the wall concept. But and they would have to put in the Beyonder and right, exactly, which they, which they could. But my point being that uh, that they probably don't necessarily want to have such a limited idea, you know, because that's the it, it, it's a it's a pretty straightforward idea. They probably mm-hmm. want to have this like you know universe spanning. Uh, multiverse spanning idea, which is what Hickman's Secret Wars was totally. more uh, involved with. So that's where I see, I think the, the the MCU Secret Wars coming in eventually. We still have a while to go before that, though. So, but uh, in any event, I'm going to go find that scene, that article. Is it in the clickbait or is it one of the news uh, articles? Uh, neither, actually. I just have it here. Oh, oh yes, I can. I thought it was on the it. sheet. You were like, it's Maybe the CNET the- article, and I'm like looking. Yeah. I'm like, what is he talking about? Well, I thought you had. I thought you had. Um, oh, you mean the Loki recap? Oh no, yeah. I only had the C. I only had the the. We were using the CBR uh, Loki recap. Right. So. Well, guess what, folks? It will be in the show notes under the clickbait section. Uh, you go to the show notes. There you go. Got it. It is there right now. Um, but we are going to move right along. Like I said, I enjoyed the uh, Loki. Season one, I am definitely like, excuse me, forward to season two when it happens, and kind of curious as to where they're going to go with it, or when it does actually happen, and what status and what Loki status is going to be when that when that actually happens. Because we got, wait, don't we have? We know Shang Chi's coming. We know Spidey's coming. We know Doctor Strange is coming, and Doctor Strange. Oh well, there is rumor that we'll get to that when we get to the news because apparently there's a there's a 
rumor and a report that Loki's probably going to be in Doctor Strange uh, too, uh, right. in the Multiverse of Madness, which makes sense. Right, and Eternals. So you know they'll weave. They'll def- they're definitely oh, going to weave that, that in. No, I mean, but the point is they'll weave Eternals into this, you know, oh, right, multiverse right. stuff too. Much. I'm just talking about in terms right. of what's coming out this year. Right, so. Right, right. You know, in terms of, you know, what I was saying earlier about ground level versus the far more, you know, supernatural, cosmic, mystic stuff, you know, they, they fall into that category. So we'll see. It'll be a little easier to, to weave them in somehow, you know, as opposed to as opposed to the uh, the street level, the grounded character. So but uh, but anyway, you know, moving on. Yeah, I kind of want to ask, but I I want you to mold this question over. You don't necessarily have to answer it. Um, out of the three Marvel shows that we have seen so far, which one do you like the best? It's a good question. I think in terms of heft, emotional heft, I think WandaVision wins. In terms of developing the MCU, I think that's a tie between Loki and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier because they needed to pull off the uh the the handoff to a new captain america in the show and they needed room to do it as opposed to in a movie so they used those six those eight episodes actually to tell that story where they whiffed in that was where they whiffed in that was the uh the sharon carter stuff um to an extent you know because it just Mm -hmm. apparently wasn't well received i was you know and and i think I was lukewarm on it. I don't know about. I don't remember how you re- reacted. Um, yeah, probably. Lu- okay, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like lukewarm, you know, is probably a, a fair way to assess that as well. So yeah, like I didn't have a problem with it, but it was like, okay, yeah, that that make I guess in some kind of way it makes some sort of sense. So, exactly. Okay. But you know, neither of us are cheering it on. So. Uh, so ultimately, I think that's the, the the most fair way I can assess these three shows because they each served a purpose. And they needed mm-hmm. to move the MCU forward, and I think, I think overall, the in terms of the execution, I still have to go with Wandavision, as just you know going, you know uh, having a, a concept that they needed to execute and and the theme that they were following. So I think Wandavision really did it. You know, its ending really could have done without a lot of the the kind of not great looking flying around stuff in the battle. But I thought overall, I think WandaVision really had, really the, did the best job of uh, executing its plan. How about you? Yeah, I probably had to go with uh, WandaVision because it was like, it, one, it was so out of left field. Two, you know, the things that it dealt with, um, you know, it was like, okay, so we're not only we're getting, um, we're basically getting uh, um, a how many ever ish uh, episode, you know, uh, dealing with grief. So it's spoiled for that, but uh, but it's good. You should still watch it. Um, but it starts off in such a le- out of left field way, and and but it pays off near the, in the in the end to a point. And I'm like, yeah, it's great. Like you know, Falcon Winter Soldier was a solid show, but it did what it did. You know. I uh, and, and that one I don't like how it ended up for one character because I feel like that uh, that uh, that character still needed a little bit more before it got before he got a win. <laughs> um, but it is what it is, and yeah, um, Loki was just kind of in the middle of those two because like Loki, I wasn't expecting Loki to be a big action show, but it, for what it's doing right now and, and what it's setting up is is really great. 
So I don't know what is going on with um <laughs> I don't know what's going on with our Skypes. What's going but moving right along, we're gonna get into the comic books of the week while I fix this. Um and I think we said we were going to start off with Sinister War number one. Oh, we are trans we we're transitioning here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Sinister, you want to go ahead and do the... the Sure. Sinister War number one is written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, and Andy Owens, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna, our favorite lettering Paisan. So... (laughs) So... Uh, for folks who have not been following Spencer's Nick Spencer's Spider-Man, it is all it has all led to this. It is safe to say it really has all led to this. The entirety of his run is seems to be culminating in this Sinister War story. We are getting what's gonna happen, or we're getting a reveal as to what Kindred has been up to. We have gotten some teases as to, uh, spoiler alert. Just like in WandaVision, we actually think it was Mephisto all along. But, uh, (laughs) but that character has had an unfortunate history with Spider-Man in relatively recent history, although... When you think about it, it's not that, you know, recent anymore. It has been around for a long time. We're talking, you know, Civil War times, you know, Marvel Civil War times. So uh, it's, you know, it, it's it, it seems like that particular story and the one more day story seems to be coming to a head and or some sort of adjustment and or and or resolution to it seems to be coming as part of Spencer's story. And we're also getting the culmination of all of the uh, the subplots that Spencer has been uh, carrying forward for good or for ill. And when I say for ill, it seems like he has completely crowded the story with so many bad guys and factions that it's just, it's overstuffed. And it, it, it in my opinion, just serve to pad the story along you know maybe he see he needed to get this to uh a hundred issues maybe i think that's what it comes out to with all of the 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 those miniseries i wonder if that's what his story was i wonder if it was in fact a hundred issue run i'm curious to to do the math on that and to do the fact checking on that to see if in fact he was able to do a 100 issue run given the the various miniseries that he's issued as in in addition to the uh the regular amazing spider-man series so Mm -hmm. i wonder you know so but but ultimately getting back to the story uh you know, at least in my opinion, it, it's a little overstuffed. But we do see in this book uh, how Spencer is moving these players into position, and it all starts with the premiere of Mary Jane's uh, movie that she had. She is apparently now completed 
with uh, Mysterio and anyone who watched uh, the uh, Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon knows where I'm getting that particular way of saying the character's name from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also during the course of this, like, um, which you kind of knew this was going to happen because... Um, I, I, um, yeah, so Mary Jane and Peter's on the red carpet, and 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 Cage McKnight um, comes and swoops up. Mary Jane does not set off Peter's spider sense, by the way, which is kind of curious on the that on that front. But I guess since she was trying to reform, maybe that's the case. We don't know yet. Um, and to come to find out that Mary Jane still has not told, uh, had not told at that point that uh, she was working with Mysterio uh, during her amazing Mary Jane. Uh, um, uh, run, which is a good, which is a, a a pretty decent book, by the way. You should check it out uh, if you get a chance. Uh, but it doesn't matter because it all comes out in a wash. <laughs> because not that far long later, that's when the folks start attacking, and then Mysterio um, um, uh, reveals himself, um, and Peter finds out that you know she's been he's that uh, Mary Jane's been working with uh, Mysterio. Right, so much like a Marvel wedding, it seems that Marvel movie premieres are also places for big villain attacks. Yeah, indeed. Not just one, but two, apparently. Um, Because a a couple of different of the... Yeah, I was about to say, not not two villains, mind you. That's not what Roddy Cat means. Actual factions, actual groups of villains, two of them specifically, uh, uh, set attacks on this particular movie's release. Right. And by the way, uh, if you are um, checking out the show notes, you can. there is an article in the clickbait section which goes over all of the players in such factions that are involved in Sinister War. Uh, so you can definitely check that out um, at your leisure. But yeah, so all of that to say is like, this was actually a not bad I- issue, but yeah, there are, like uh, Agent 7 said, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of folks in play here and maybe that's gonna uh change going into this but i kind of doubt it and i'm really really hoping that whatever spencer is doing is going to going to play out how he wants you and pays off well because doing all of this and it doesn't pay off is not going to be great that's gonna right. be a real bummer it'll and be the, tough and this run's kind of already been kind of dragging in spots. Well, that's my point. That's my point. You know, I think that a lot of those arcs really didn't have to develop all of these factions. You know, right. we, we understand that uh, he has an affinity for Boomerang. So that's, you know, so it's no surprise that the, uh, the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the, um, oh, what are the foes? The, um... The superior foes? The superior foes, yeah. Yeah, the superior foes of Spider-Man. You know, no surprise that they eventually make their appearance. But, uh, you know, the the superior foes are, you know, I guess the the expected. But there are literally two more factions. Like, why, why are they here? We don't need all these characters. We really don't. And I understand maybe they just want to have a big book that has big splash pages and big group shots. And that's fine. But... Ultimately, you know, as Roddy Cat said, this entire uh, run on Amazing Spider-Man has dragged and dragged for too long and in too many places for us to ignore. Where if you went through our, uh, our our backlog of shows, 
you know, our pre, our our uh, our, ca- our back catalog. That is not our backlog, unless you're behind. Then it's a backlog. But our back catalog of shows, if you went through them, you would hear and or see us kind of start to complain about Spencer's run. Let's say within the last year, you know, as I would, I would go go further. Months. Yeah, no, I was in six months. Oh no, but uh, but in terms of the last year. You know, mm-hmm. over the last year, we started. I I think I started to complain over the last year, like where are we going with this? Why is this taking so long? And right. I think it started to amplify over the last six months because we were getting that um, uh, that time that uh, what you call it, that fortune telling gadget. You know, that whole storyline, the clairvoyant, the clairvoyant right. thing, mm-hmm. where that was just that took forever. So, but that sets up another faction of you know another group uh, in the sinister war. So, you know, Spencer, I hope, is able to pull, you know, pulls off what he wants to pull off, and I hope it's worth it. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. But, you know, it's taken some time to get here. This wasn't the worst first issue of a little mini series, So, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, piqued my interest, and, to, you know, I, I want to see where this goes. But it took mm-hmm. a long time for us to get here. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, so I don't think we have that much longer next um, for now, but um, yeah, here we are. So we can move right along to oh, and another... and and, and uh, which one call it? Did you think of Passenger Fifty Seven at the end on the last page? <laughs> you know, because I, I there's not, a bit. But... Yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit where because Doctor Strange actually has a role to play uh, in the bookend parts of this issue, and there is. Uh, you know, it's a play on where Mephisto has been or suppo- or was trapped at one point. So I immediately had thoughts of uh, uh, of Passenger Fifty Seven, something that Wesley Snipes says in Passenger Fifty Seven on that one. Mm-hmm. And now did you say that? Yes, I can see it, but um, but yeah, I didn't think about it when I was reading it. So, <laughs> um, um, let's move it on, shall we? To absolutely. Um, wait, did you read? Let's go to Iron Man 10, actually. Um, okay, Iron Man 10. It's written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Cafu, with colors by Frank Darmada, and letters are by VC's Joe Caramagna, our favorite Paisan. So silly. Um, indeed. But um, I actually slightly, I actually kind of in, enjoyed this issue, and not saying not saying that it's offbeat. It's an offbeat issue. Yes, yes. Um, actually, kind of in a part way because I even say in my notes is like uh, Tony stuck in the void because so basically a couple of issues back, uh, Tony gets whisked away by Korvac, who's the the main villain of this arc, or these last two, uh, this last arc. Um, uh, away from um, the the uh, away from his team that he's which includes uh Patsy Walker Hellfire uh, Hellcat and uh, Rhodey and a few other people you know it was it was definitely kind of a D list of uh, it's not even Force Works um, I, I like Force Works I was about to say and, and that's um, saying something I mean Century you know where are you we barely knew you well thank goodness he's not around but that's beside the point um. But yeah, so he, they were chasing down Korvac, who's the villain, and they were off to um, uh, Galactus's ship. But Tony got whisked away uh, a couple of uh, issues back, and they kind of 
not really touched upon it up until this issue. So we find out that Tony's uh, on some planet, and um, we come to find out there he's not the only one. There's actually a bunch of people on this island who had been mysteriously taken away from where they were, um, almost like they were pruned, uh, and end up on this planet. Um, I, um, I almost thought that Elias was going to show up, but we kind of get, um, not necessarily Elias, but we kind of get someone that's taking a, a, not necessarily a similar point, but also, and um, as uh, Agent 70 will appreciate this, uh, maybe a little bit of Attack on Titan. Definitely, although it's spoiled by the cover. Right, yes. it's spoiled by the cover. It's one of those things where you know the, uh, the 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 text on the cover is meant to draw you in, but it's a spoiler. And I'll give you a real quick note. Hold your thoughts on the on the story. I wanted to note that um, I went and got my comics uh, 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 yesterday on Wednesday, and I did not pull the regular Iron Man cover. So when okay. I read this. I was, I didn't I wasn't immediately spoiled because I got the Captain America um 80th anniversary variant cover. It's uh Captain America in like armor is drawn by John Cassidy, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um it's uh you know, it, it's due to this cover that I was not spoiled until I started reading the issue. And so when I saw in this issue that um Iron Man had to scavenge some power from a dormant piece of tech that was laying on the planet side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, wait, that's, you know, spoiler alert, although it is spoiled on the cover, right? Spoiler alert. It's Ultimo. I'm like, that's an Ultimo piece. Right. Right. He, why doesn't, why doesn't Stark recognize this? He just doesn't, you know, it doesn't click well, in his head. Right, because I recognized that he was kind of already discombobulated. Right, so I recognized it right away. So mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, without without the benefit of that cover, I was like, oh, so that's where they're going with this. But you know, right. he meets some other, uh, and I I kind of appreciate Cantwell's kind of walk down memory memory lane here with mm-hmm. uh, some of the characters that have been marooned on this you know far distant planet. With you know, kind of a, a a who, not even a who's who. It's like a a, a Z list who's who of some of these characters that Tony Stark has uh, run across in his adventures and travels, and right. they're the ones who are uh, marooned on this planet as well. There was definitely a who for me. Oh like, yeah, one or two particular cases. I'm like, huh, who is this? I mean, I know one of them, but it was like, oh, oh the well, yeah, the one, the main one, right? The main one we 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 kind of understand and we recognize who that is, but everyone else, no one's gonna blame you for being like, who? So right. So and 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 with one of the other characters uh, whose last name, or I assume his last name is Yar, uh, um, which apparently they are Cree. But I was thinking Yar, like in Tasha Yar from yeah. <laughs> from, uh, from, uh, from Next Generation. generation. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So, so I even have that in my notes. Also, make y'all's revenge joke, but that's whatever. Um, but yeah, so and we, so yeah, we see another, um, I guess, villain from Tom, Tony's not so great Rogues Gallery, who's um, who uh, again. Uh, going back to the, our Loki talk, 
kind of comes off, and there's a reference here to this. Alan Watts uh, is referenced uh, here, which um, uh, Alan Watts was a um, I guess he was a scientist, philosopher, or some kind of thing, and he had a theory about uh, time, uh, about time theory, I guess. Okay. Uh, and that has come up in Loki, uh, but here's a direct Alan Watts reference in this book, which was kind of funny. So I was like, and with what we were saying, like yeah, this kind of looks like this kind of seemed like the void and 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 uh, the void mixed with uh, Attack on Titan. So I was like, wow, somebody's been watching Loki, apparently. Sure. Yeah. Um. So that kind of made this issue kind of kind of fun uh, on that note, especially like is it coming off of watching Loki? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I kind of you know the, the the Attack on Titan vibes are really. It's not really just oh, because yes. Ultimo is tall. I'll leave it at that. Oh yeah, no, it is definitely more it's than not, it's <laughs> not just because of that. So yeah, I, I pretty direct. <laughs> I kind of I not a jump scare, but definitely I was startled by that page. I was like, whoa, really? Whoa! So right. I was like, oh, I didn't think they were going to do that, and yeah, well, there you go. So it was, it's, it's, um, it was a, a very good, uh, it was a very uh, interesting read uh, this week. And apparently, on side note, which I guess is going to come back later, um, we found out that Tony may be back on the wagon again because uh, Tony has a history of. Um, oh, you mean back off the wagon? Back off the wagon. Yeah, I always get that term mixed up. Right. Um, uh, He's had a he's had an alcohol problem, and, an addiction and problem. problem. Yeah, it's an addiction problem, and that's it looks like it's going to come back into play, which I believe we saw word on at probably in some article, at right? Some point. And but, I think it's been part of the development of this Cantwell series, also. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's pretty interesting. I also uh, anyone who is a fan of Marvel versus Capcom uh, will appreciate that uh, you know it's something that we don't see that often. But Unabeam, Unabeam. <laughs> Yes. Yes, we did. We did get. We did get a, a Unibeam out of this, and I definitely did say that when, it, when it, when I got brought up. So yeah. Uh, but it's Iron Man number ten, and uh, we can move on to something else. If you got something. Um, uh, let's see. How about we do? You know, we'll do the uh, the books that we have in common, and then we'll mm-hmm. move. We'll go. I mean, because this is a, a, a somewhat of a lighter week. So we don't yes. have that many books to really run through. So let's cover Champions number eight. It's written okay. by Danny Lore with art by Luciano Vecchio, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So um, this made me uh, uh, chuckle throughout reading it because it it felt like. Um, Something that we would, as novice uh, criminals, would be doing, which is taking our cues from movies. And, uh, you know, essentially what they're doing is uh, following, uh, taking their cues from a heist, from heist movies as they are going through their mission to infiltrate Roxxon. And, and and the members of the champions are all coming to grips with how they play w- with the parts the, of the plan, uh, you know, that they each play and trying to figure out how to deal with complications that come up as, you know, as parts of the plan kind of go awry. Right. 
Yeah, I, I mean, like, as I said in my notes, like the whole, because um, we knew the way certain part of that plan was going to go off was going to end up in a in a uh, kind of a fight, and that did, well, and there's a discussion at the very least, and that did happen at the beginning of this book, but it kind of got settled, sort of, in a way. Right, right. <laughs> Until the plan starts, uh, to the plan does uh, start unraveling a little bit, and they have to kind of readjust it. But uh, but then it turns into almost like a, a Ocean's Eight type thing, or Ocean's Eleven type thing with the, with the um, with the planet. Because they do even mention like yes, uh, something about a spy movie night or heist night or something like that, where they got the plan together or something. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a uh, it was a good book, and you know, and the, at the end uh, we we see one of the uh, team in a predicament. That uh, they may or may not be able to get themselves out of, but I guess we'll see next issue. Right, and it's fun. I really appreciate that uh, that Danny Laura has decided to focus on this group. You know, it's kind of the core group of champions. Yes, and mm-hmm. it really tightens the storytelling. I understand that they wanted to broaden the appeal of the champions and really uh, kind of do what Hickman did and create like this gigantic team of Avengers. They created a gigantic team of champions, but we kind of lost focus on kind of this core group of champions. And I really like that. We're down to, uh, you know, Kid Nova, uh, Spidey, you know, Miles Spidey, uh, 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 Riri Williams, um, uh, Ms. Marvel, Marvel and uh, mm-hmm. Viv Vision, mm-hmm. and that's a nice yeah. little core group of characters that they can really focus on here, because at the moment we don't have uh, a Nova book. At the moment we don't have a Ms. Marvel book. So really, the only character in this book that has a solo book is Miles. Right. So it's nice to see these <clears throat> characters getting some run, getting some play in a book of their own, you know, outside of maybe guest appearances somewhere else. So it's really, you know, it, it's really, I think, important that this book focuses on this core group of champions. Right. And that's not to say that the others are not around. Like, we've seen a couple of the other ones in in past issues. But, yeah, the, the fact that the focus is on the, the main, uh, the quote-unquote main group here has helped it some. Right, I think I think it's helped with the book's focus, and I think it makes it a lot easier to follow. Right. Cool. Uh, that being said, we can do, we can go we can move on. What's next? Um, I guess the. I was about to say, Excalibur? I think yeah, that's the only other book I think that we have in common. Okay. All right. So Excalibur number twenty-two. Yes, Excalibur 22. It's written by Tinny Howard with art by Marcus Toe. Colors by Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. Uh, take it away, Roddy Cat. Oh, you know what? I totally got my notes on this. So, um, basically, um, um, we start off if I'm let me let me go and open up this book real quick. But yeah. so basically we start off with uh Excalibur in Overworld. Uh, Otherworld, excuse me. and um I'm trying to remember uh yeah, so they are with Beast, if I'm not mistaken, and they are trying to get some soil samples or something. 
uh, I'm not going to go through like beat for beat, but uh, just kind of goes off into um, another thing. Uh, yeah, so that's where they're starting off, and then they get met by the sheriff of, of, of whatever sheriff of one of the other places, and basically get told that, hey, um, you know, uh, you might want to get to the Citadel because uh, Saturnines uh, got got folks there, and they are not pleased with mutants, uh, a lot of them, and, and they won't be afraid to, to, to tell you, given the events of the last few arcs of, you know, the, the last few, um, well, sort of, X, I mean, yeah, X of Swords and pretty much everything that's happened since then and around then, uh, so they're not happy with, happy with the encroachment uh, of the mutants uh, coming out of that. On the other side of that, uh, Pete Wisdom gets uh, brought back to life, and he's there with uh, Megan, apparently. <laughs> and she uh, she kind of brings him up to speed as to what happened, um, which I don't remember the latter part of Excalibur because I think I was only reading like the, when it, the book first started, and I know the, the book went through some changes of uh, folks and things like that, so I don't know their relationship was this close as it sounds when, when this was going on. Uh, because I know Pete had, I think Pete did kind of have a thing with Kitty or Kate. Yes. At the time, regardless of that. The, yes, uh, they definitely yeah. did. They actually had their own miniseries. Right. That was called Pride uh, and Wisdom. Huh. Okay. And I think uh, Megan kind of had a little thing with uh, Kurt, uh, but that's all, that's neither here nor there because, like I said, we definitely know that they were all on the team together. But anyway, um, so yeah, so Megan kind of apprises him of what's been happening in the last couple of issues with. Uh, um, you know, with the um, with the, the UK closing the borders to uh, mutants, basically. Um, right, and the reason why he was killed, why he was sacrificed, exactly. because that exactly. was, you know, while we know that mutants are, you know, have ha- have a way of being resurrected, it was still shocking to me to see that that they would actually go that far to do right. what they needed to do magically. Uh, you know, in, in terms of um, uh, of you know what you know, spoiler alert, in terms of what they want to do regarding Morgan Le Fay, so mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty jarring to see. Uh, you know, because that was um, part of the uh, Hellfire Gala crossover. That was the last issue, and in this issue, we have you know some of the ramifications of that, and also we get uh, uh, a tale of a branch of you know a, a sub team of uh, an away team. You know, talk about bringing Star Trek back into this, right? We get an away team of Excalibur running around an other world with Captain Britain, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to, you know, figure out what Merlin is up to and what, what's up his butt. And, uh, right. you know, we, we get some more of that. Yeah, and, and b- before that, we kind of get the Saturnine and Merlin and all of them kind of having a powwow in the Citadel about, you know, like I said, the encroachment, like I said earlier, and that kind of led this uh, away team to, to go scout around Merlin's spot um, the way they did. And, the, and of course, there's a confrontation there for a second, which they kind of uh, quickly get out of. I, now, I don't know about you and how versed you are in um, Excalibur, but when you when they got to the when they got to the escape and got to the 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 underground level, and they saw that uh, their getaway vehicle, did you think anything Excalibur related was it? Nope. Oh, okay. It's not like it's the Hogwarts Express, so I was True, you know I was completely gone. Right. Well, so so if I remember correctly, during one part of um 
Excalibur, they had this thing, I believe it was called Widget or something, that uh, I think turned into a train or something that, or no, it was a something. There was a train involved where they ended up going around um, uh, the multiverse or something uh, for for a minute. And I was like, I was like, wait, is this that train? And are they going to do that again? And that's not totally not, not really being the case. So I was kind of, I was thinking, or maybe it could be, and we don't know because we just saw them taking off. But I don't, I don't believe that is the case here. Uh, but the other side of that, like I said, we go back to Pete Wisdom, who's kind of been bopping around Krakoa, and apparently he's uh, got the band back together of uh, of a team that I don't, I know very little about, because um, apparently there are some folks that he used to work with that uh, that are I don't know if this is a new thing or this is like a um, like a retcon of these of these characters. Um, this was my I was about to say this was my turn for who. Yeah. Oh, it was mine too. Because, like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know any of these characters, but I know the name Strike. Gotcha. Um, that's about it. But All Pete's right. wisdom's involved in, in these other four people that he get that he that he finds out about, and they get resurrected, resurrected, and are apparently mutant mutants now, if they always ever were. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he kind of gets them back together, and what they're going to do, we don't know. Well, I guess we kind of know. We, we I suspect we kind of know because it has to do with um, the closing of the borders. Right. So um, there's one thing that uh, that you know in in at the on the cliffhanger page of this book, mm-hmm. which really caught me by surprise. Yes. And I I wanted to run it by you as someone who is a little bit more well versed in Excalibur lore than I. Has this character ever reared his head in the pages of Excalibur before? If it did, if he did, I don't remember, honestly. Because I was definitely taken by surprise. I was like, what? I mean, given the name of the book and given given the um, given the illusions outside of that, and the, we did just say Merlin, you could speculate that, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly don't remember. Got it. And at a certain part, at a certain time, I I got off of the book. Like I said, I was there at the beginning of the book, uh, and I was there for a good minute. But um, I think once it got past the, like the whole time space uh, thing with the train, right? I might have I might have fallen <clears throat> off of it from there. So if, if it happened in time after then, then I'm not sure. Right. I mean, if I consulted my own personal collection collection of Excalibur, it's so you know scattered. And random that, you know, probably having to deal solely with maybe some crossovers that, you know, I I wouldn't be able to to tell you too much about the series as a whole. So Right. Um the only thing I could I could say is I, I have actually been I've probably said it on this uh show before that you know what, I've been meaning to go back and and read those old uh issues because I, I enjoyed uh, Excalibur, especially in the beginning. Like I said, when the, the team changed and Pete Wisdom came on, whom I didn't really care too much about, I think I might have fallen off of that. Right. Uh, um, but outside of that, yeah, I enjoyed Excalibur back in the day. It was fun. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And apparently we, on the, the, I don't know, yeah, on this coming soon page, uh, we have, um, I won't spoil it, but we have someone else who we've seen lately. Uh, who was actually at the the, the Hellfire Gala? Who's kind of in a couple of different places? Apparently still on Earth, also. Um, uh, who's around for some odd reason? And I guess we'll find out what that reason is. Yeah. Uh, next issue or whenever. 
that being said, uh, I guess that's it. So we're going to error rapid fire. You got it. I'm about to spin it up. I ain't got time to bleed. Rapid fire, cause. Alrighty. Uh, uh, you want to go ahead and go? Yeah, I don't have too much left. Uh, my first book is uh, Thor number 15. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Michelle Bandini, who's a dude. Uh, inks by Michelle Bandini and Elisabetta D'Amico. So uh, it's a Italian art team. Colors by Matt Wilson and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So we got a bunch of Italian folks on this book. So uh, this book is the first issue in a three-part story that Donny Cates is calling Revelations. And we're going to see, I guess, presumably, uh, the, uh, the payoff for what has been teased for the better part of this entire series, right? So we are 15 issues in now, and some of the things that have been teased in the in this series may be coming to a head. Namely, the fact, and this is a minor spoiler for um, the first 15 issues of this book, you know, because it's been a, a dangling plot thread that has been picked up here and there over the course of the 15 issues. So I'll ring the spoiler bell for this. But uh, Mjolnir has not been obedient to Thor. Not necessarily that he's unworthy and it comes to light what Thor's thinking on this is. And he actually consults with Captain America. And it's, you know, there's a really interesting sequence here where the rest of the Avengers are fighting some un, you know otherworldly menace i'm not i i kind of recognize these monsters and all of the avengers are you know kind of uh are 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 kind of uh you know ha- they have their hands full hands full and it's interesting because carol is here carol danvers is here and you know if she go cuts out you know cuts loose she could take care of all these monsters but because of thor's particular power set he's able to take them all out at once so that he and captain america can go share a drink and talk but it's not before what is on the cover actually happens in the book i was gonna ask it's out it's it's not in the context that you think it is but it does happen but in but but ultimately uh cap and thor do have a chance to have a -a tete-a-tete over some drinks and what's tea what 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 we find out is thor's theory at least as to why mjolnir has been disobedient and has um not been doing what thor has wanted and has proven to sometimes be super heavy and also be able to be lifted by other people Mm. who are not necessarily worthy like loki so you know we're going to find out in the next three issues, in the next two issues now, uh, three issues including this one, what Kate has planned for this, uh, you know, for this twist in uh, Thor's story with uh, with Mjolnir. 
And last for me, because we've already covered all my other books, is Mouse Guard, The Owl Hen Caregiver, and Other Tales Number 1. The story and art are by David Peterson, the creator of Mouse Guard. And it is so good to see him do the entire book because... Um, he's had uh, other creators, you know, ch- not chip in, but uh, take their stab at these characters and, and this world of Mouse Guard. And it's, you know, th- they were good. You know, I ha- I did buy the trade paperback of those in hardcover form. They're, they're really good, but it's still great to see Peterson come in and do uh, and, and do some, some work in Mouse Guard. I actually got the soft cover, you know, the, um, the comic book version, the, the single issue uh, version of this. And it's five bucks for this kind of square format. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's just a little bit more expensive than a regular comic book nowadays. But um, it's really cool. Uh, It has three stories in it. And the three stories, the three short stories have a central thread about service and and a concern for the, about the well-being of others. So, uh, you know, the story definitely uh, hit a chord, struck a chord with me, and uh, I definitely appreciate it. It is definitely a potential click of the week for me. All right. Yes, uh, uh, if it has not been made apparent, uh, and you've been with this show for a while, Agent 70 is a big, big Mouse Guard fan. Absolutely. So, that's what's up. So it was so even when we talked about it, what was it, a couple of weeks when the um or a few uh, a couple of weeks ago when um uh when this was announced, right? This was coming out. Agent Seven was was had a had a big grin on his face. He didn't know, and that was enjoyable to see. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I said, Moscow is one of those things. Like I've always seen it, and it's like, yeah, that's that's a pretty looking book. Um, but I've never read it. So. But that being said, um, we're gonna push on. Push on to. Um, sorry, folks, I'm a little off and it's hot right now. Um, to my books, so we can kind of push that away. Uh, Spider Man, Spider Woman, excuse me, number thirteen uh, is my first book of tonight. It is written by uh, Carla Pacheco, art by Perry Perez, uh, color artist uh, Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this is a particular click of the week for me uh, because this was just a fun read. Uh, basically, um, as I say in my notes, someone storing everyone and a horse at just to get some data she got off of uh, the high evolutionary. Uh, we do come to find out who that person is. Um, uh, it's not, well, I guess, well, we kind of find out who that person is and is somebody who's been in the in the book in uh in this past volume let's just say um also for some strange reason jessica channel her uh venom blast to her feet somehow and i was like i saw that happen and i'm like when she could she ever do that i was about to say now we're going uh laura kinney x23 wolverine there yeah kind of because a couple of panels but but like i said it was like oh okay that's kind of strange but all right it's working sure whatever like that was a it was was definitely action heavy um action heavy issue uh for this one up until you get to the to the end of it and i would say speaking of passenger 57 but the only difference is like there there's definitely some planes that show up and get get some uh battled on or whatever the, the case may be uh during the course of this so it's not directly a Passenger 57 
reference. Uh, but yeah, it's, but you should definitely check it out if you're up on that book. Uh, Transformers number 32. Uh, written by Brian Ruckley. Art by Anna Malkova and Angel Hernandez. Colors by David Garcia Cruz. And letters by Jake M. Wood. So, um, last issue, there's this one uh, Autobot named Jumpstart who had been... who already had uh, teleportation capabilities, but uh, Perceptor was kind of experimenting on her to, I guess, extend that range, and it ended up going out of control, and she ended up... um, uh, ended up jumping from place to place and what we thought out of the universe or from alternate universes, but what we come to find out possibly in this issue is that it wasn't uh, alternate universes. It seemed like it's through time. So she ended up jumping through to a time where things weren't going as well. Not that things were going well at this point, but um, things weren't going as well for, for the Autobots, let's just say. Um... And she she meets uh gets a little bit of help in basically getting back to presumably where she where she belongs, but not without some some things uh, happening, and not without her bringing somebody back with her who I honestly thought was Starscream's ghost, but I was like no Starscream's still alive at this point, so it can't be that. <laughs> but at the end of this book, she I think she ends up back on Cybertron, and she brings someone with her. Uh, who was also lost in whatever is a teleportation stream or she ended up going into. But uh, there is that. Um, next up is Way of X number four, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Bob Quinn, uh, color artist uh, Java, Java Tartaglia, and uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So Kurt and Legion are still on whatever quest to figure out does this non-religion that they're trying to, to put together for for Krakoa uh, and I guess they're they're studying the, the three laws to kind of get some ideas from there um, uh, they end up on Arako and we get a nice little appearance by Dust um, who we haven't seen in a, in, a, in a second but always good to see that character um, uh, but not before um well, one, it starts off with some some uh, the some story that this other new character is telling, and kind of leads back to some events from last last issue that kind of happened. But the reason why they ended up on Arako was because of the events from last issue and what happened to this character. Um, but uh, that kind of gives way to uh, some. Other things that you should probably read about um, uh, going into this, and a little adventure is going on to, let's just say, with um, with this new character and an an old character, uh, an old duplicitous, duplicitous character that's kind of uh, fallen from grace um, in in this version of the X Men in, in a way, so. And of course, you can't have Legion without um, his, his dad, Professor X, showing up, and that kind of a thing that just happened in, 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 a, in, a, in a part. Um, 
actually get to see a part of uh, Professor X that we haven't seen in a good minute. I'll say that. So if, if that is some, of some interest to, to you, you may want to check that out. Uh, but my last book is rounding out the X corner uh, of the, for this week in X Corp number three. Um, so X Corp is trying to launch, uh, trying to uh, get things together to launch this uh, floating platform that they already have out there. But there's another part to this that that they're doing a launch for. Uh, there's also this big tech conference that uh, that's. Um, Juan Worthington and Monet are at and, you know, meeting people and uh, doing things with and some shenanigans kind of happen in the course of that. One includes a person that was, um, I guess, from last issue during the uh, Hellfire Gala gala that uh, Monet's trying to straighten out, but doesn't necessarily go the way she, she thinks it does. And this launch, speaking of, kind of goes a interesting way, let's just say to end off this book or actually doesn't go off in a way like it was supposed to and there's also another thing with um, Jamie Maddox Madrox uh, and his familiar ties and some other stuff with him that's that's going on in this book so I don't know what what is um, X-Corp's big uh, big move here outside of you know bringing back X-Corp but this is what we got so far and that, folks, is it for me, which I actually, wait, before I say anything else, um, before we do that, I forgot to give the creative team of this, which consists of uh, Tenny Howard as the writer, Valentin Delandro as the artist, Sunny Go as the color artist, and BC's Clayton Powell's as, Powell, Cowles as the letterer. And that, folks, is it. We can go on to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week. Uh, we do have wait but we do have at least one yes we do have at least one click of the week from one of our um, absent uh, hosts and um, I don't know if this was a surprise or not but it's for Mouse Guard the Alhin Caregiver and Other Tales number one from Dirt Absolutely, and I second that. So that is also my click of the week, Mouse Guard, The Alhen Caregiver, and Other Tales number one. All righty then. Nice and neat and simple. Cool. For me, I think I might actually go... Um, I don't know my book was interesting, but I might just go with... Uh, I'm just going to go with uh, Spider-Woman number 13. I think it was, it was a, a fun book. Uh, many dad jokes. Uh, lots of action, and like I said, I can give or take action in a book as long as uh, you know some things. Some things actually happen, <laughs> uh, uh, um, whether narratively or not. But um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good it was a good read. Uh, and on and we don't think we got anything from Tim, which we uh, again we do not. So we can move on to the news section, but first. Let's hit an ad, please. All righty. Our first ad of the evening of this show is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. 
And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, please go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off with the cinematic news as we do every day about this time. So we're going to try to run through this as quickly as we can. Um, first off, Black Panther 2 star confirms multiple rewrites, says new, uh, says new script still needs work, apparently. Uh, so Angela Bassett, Queen Bermonda, uh, reveals that the script for the long-awaited Marvel Cinematic Universe sequel is still undergoing rewrites despite under production beginning in late June. Quote, uh, I don't know what it's going to look like at all, Bassett told Entertainment Tonight about her return to Wakanda as uh, Queen Bermonda. Uh, but there's been about five incarnations of the script, and I hear another one's coming. Marvel fans can rest easy, though, uh, as Marvel Studios is known for putting its films through heavy rewrites throughout production, which, yeah, has been true. Also, I'm looking at the shirt that Shuri got on, and I'm thinking of a, a, a thing, and I'm sitting here like, okay, wait, she's got on a t-shirt. I mean, is that a t-shirt under a t-shirt, or is that showing some things that's not? But anyway, we're going to move past that for this picture, because I don't think I've ever noticed that. Um, move right along. Next up, uh, Lupita Nyong'o's workout video goes uh, viral. Are muted. Oh, apologies. I thought I had clicked to unmute. Lupita Nyong'o's workout video goes viral as Black Panther Two continues filming. So, um, she shared her work, New York workout session before commencing shooting on Black Panther, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So this uh, is a post that she shared on Instagram. And uh, she's seen in the video working out in New York back in June. And thanks to the cameras rolling on the Black Panther follow up, uh, it has gone viral again. Okay. Yes. It's a good video. So is she. So moving right along. Um, Marvel celebrates Black Widow's MCU history with solo Disney Plus posters. Uh, Marvel Studios' long-awaited Black Panther, uh, Black Panther, and uh, I got me doing it. Uh, Black Widow solo film uh, is out, and um, uh, to mark the occasion, Disney Plus had added a new set of solo posters highlighting Natasha Romanoff's history in the MCU, uh, thus far from Iron Man two to Avengers uh, Endgame. So, and if you. Uh, if you are checking out the article, well, if you're checking out the video, you can see said posters of the various iterations of uh, of Natasha uh, and her and all of her um, her looks during her outings. It's a uh, it's an amusing change from Iron Man two to going to <laughs> going to Endgame, let's just say. Um, but yeah, there you go. That is that. You can see that in the show notes. 
next up. Next up, <clears throat> Black Widow made sixty million dollars from Disney Plus viewers during its opening weekend, including both of us. Yes. Oh, yes. Disney Plus has been shy previously about divulging sales for Premier Access movies like Mulan, but it's now eager to brag. As AV Club reported, Disney revealed that Marvel blockbuster Black Widow raked in more than $60 million in estimated revenue solely from customers paying $30 each for Premier Access. That's more than a quarter of the roughly $215 million Disney expected to make from all sources, including U.S. and international box office sales. Uh, The company also bragged that Black Widow was the largest U.S. box office opening during the COVID-19 pandemic, just besting F9. Uh, That wasn't difficult, though, given that movie theaters have routinely struggled to attract viewers when they weren't dealing with widespread closures. Okay. Yeah. So... There you go. Um, and I would imagine at this point probably a little bit more than that. Um, but, yeah, there you go. Uh, Florence Pugh didn't know Yelena would return in the MCU so soon. So, uh, apparently, Florence Pugh was surprised to learn that her Black Widow character, Yelena Belova, would return to the MCU so quickly following the movie's release. Uh, actually, kind of spoiler alert for Black Widow, by the way, I guess. Um because yeah as we saw in the post credit scene yeah we do see that um that um uh, Yelena will definitely will return in um a thing in another upcoming project very soon or very soonish i guess um but let's see but yeah and and like this article says the the post credit scene does take place after in game and picks up um and, and picks up with uh, Yelena and where she's been and been going on. And, and we also, like I said, we also find out uh, where she's going to end up next. Uh, if you're... You know what? I will not say, uh, just in case you didn't know already and uh, haven't seen Black Widow, because I know it's still like a... It's still kind of sort of fresh. Like, yeah, spoilers have kind of already been out there for for since then, but, you know, we'll leave that for for, for some folks. But next up. Right. Similarly, similarly for my next news story, uh, the Black Widow director explains the significance of Taskmaster's character. Mm-hmm. And I am not going to completely spoil this. I know that Roddy Cat has put this uh, up for everyone to see, this article up for everyone to see, but I would rather not spoil this because... Right. Essentially, uh, Black Widow director Kate Shortland says that, you know, the the significance of the reveal of the character of Taskmaster is really about the, and I'm paraphrasing here because I'm, I just don't want to spoil the whole thing, is that, because it is so soon, is that it is about Natasha confronting the red that's on her ledger. That is how this character is uh, tied in to the story. Which, in a way, kind of is no surprise because that's pretty much every other time she's shown up in an MCU movie, she's she's mentioned the red in her in her letter. Her ledger, exactly, but. exactly, exactly. So that's why that I think that's the best way to uh, to explain uh, the reveal, the way it was executed and written. 
Yep. And I believe um, there is another article uh, on that note in the clickbait section that also has to do with Taskmaster and the characterization of um, from the movie to comics, I guess, or from comics to the movie, rather. So if you're interested, you can check that. Definitely check that out. Uh, Ant-Man 3 bringing back original movie villain Corey Stoll. So I guess Yellow Jack is coming back. Um, and it says, yes, that uh, the Ant-Man and Wasp uh, Quantumania, the Phase 4 film, will be Paul Rudd's third solo outing as Scott Lang, alongside Evangeline Liddy, Lily as Hope, and uh, probably, you know, Hank Pym's probably going to be there, and um, Michelle Pfeiffer is Janet. Uh, according to this, is also going to be returning. Uh, in addition, Scott's daughter Cassie will be recast as uh, 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 will be recast as uh, Catherine Newton. So, but um, and this is actually also kind of sort of a, it might be a spoiler for Loki uh, episode five because if I'm not mistaken, that is where we saw uh, the yellow jacket helmet in the void. And this article kind of alludes to that just a little bit, sort of, kind of, sort of, but not really. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, it does kind of mention that uh, directly. So there you go. Yellow Jack is probably back in uh, Quantumania. For what reason? We don't know. But I will find out at some point. Next up. Next up, Loki's knife flip was a complete accident, says Tom Hiddleston. So, in a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, Hiddleston shed some light on just where Loki's affinity for knives and his apparent uh, skills with flipping them comes from. So, um, he says in the interview that uh, he caught the knives by chance, and uh, he has a full quote in this article uh, from entertain in this interview from Entertainment Weekly, but uh, essentially that um, you know he. Uh, he was still, you know, the cameras happened to still be rolling and he wasn't doing anything interesting. So he just flipped the knives and caught them by chance. And, you know, they are knives for show so that he wouldn't have cut his hands up otherwise. But he happened to catch them and all of a sudden that became part of his shtick, as it were. Yes. And as we know, love is like a dagger, as especially as that last episode had, um, had, um, had uh, gone through. Or the rather the, the the final episode had gone through also bringing that back around. Next up, Loki Rider says that, uh, an emotional support gator inspired alligator Loki's look. So someone has an, an, an okay. Anyway, um, so this goes back to the last uh, uh, episode of uh, Loki, uh, where alligator Loki shows up, and apparently. Um, Let's see, Michael Waldron re- recently spoke with Marvel.com and revealed that Alligator Loki is not a character from the comics. Uh, Waldron may have created the character, but another Loki writer, Eric Martin, took to Twitter this week to introduce the world to Wally, the real-life visual reference for Alligator Loki. Um, says, while Loki is a holy, a holy a creation of Michael Waldron's weird mind, we did have a real-world visual reference for him. Meet Wally, uh, Martin wrote. And the tweet uh, includes a YouTube video, video all about Wally, an emotional support gator, um, which you can check out if you're if you're looking at the article or if you check out the article in the show notes. 
uh, says, we were talking about how we want to meet many versions, different versions of Loki in the show, but Walter explained to Marvel.com, and I was just like, that should be an alligator Loki. And it's like, well, why? Because he's green. Um, and he also added, it's so stupid, but it also makes total sense. Uh, you almost have to take it seriously, like maybe he is a Loki. So, and the article kind of just goes on from there. So there you go, folks. That alligator that shows up is... Um, came from somewhere, just not the comics. Which, because I recall when we even talked about it, it was like, I don't remember there being an alligator Loki anywhere that I remember reading about, so there you go. Next up. I was going to say, that was new to me as well. Next Mm -hmm. up, Loki writer, Loki's lead writer, Michael Waldron, wants fans debating which version of Frog Thor is in Episode 5. And I love this. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Especially being familiar with both versions. So he stated Mm -hmm. that he wants fans to debate which version of Frog Thor appeared in in Episode 5 of the Loki show. Spoiler alert, again, if you're not caught up on Loki. So in Journey into Mystery, we see in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment... A frog version of Thor trapped in a jar, desperately trying to reach Mjolnir. And in the comics, Throg was originally a human named Simon Walterson, right? Which is part of the story of uh, Thor being turned into a frog. Uh, So, um, you know, basically one begot the other, in a sense. So it's interesting to see that... Uh, Michael Waldron is not going to confirm which car- which version it is. Just let the debate rage. Let the debate rage. He chose. He chooses violence. He chose violence for sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, though, new Loki report. Oh, okay. So we were talking about this. Uh, I, I alluded to this earlier. Uh, new Loki report hints at Tom Hiddleston returning to the MCU very soon. Um. And did I? Oh Lord, I should have taken this out. But regardless, it's, so this is going to come up again. So if it does, um, I don't know what what's wrong with me lately. Um, but a new report, uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter, suggests that Hiddleston will be reprising his role in the upcoming Doctor Two, uh, Doctor Strange Two, which is due out next year. Uh, this is the first time Hiddleston has been linked to the film, though the report says that Marvel hasn't confirmed the news. That is a very important take. Also, I was going to go back and say that um, usually after a show is over with, like Loki or WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldiers, the uh, the writers and head writers get very, very chatty. <laughs> so there's probably going to be some more stuff in the next week or two uh, about uh, that, that, you know, things we will not or may not even know. But anyway, uh, as folks know, Doctor, Doctor Strange 2 is called, it's called the Multiverse of Madness, so it would stand to reason, given what happened in this last episode of Loki, and this is me saying that, not the article. Um, <laughs> given that makes a little more sense, because, yeah, stuff is messed up. And I've seen a lot of tweets of people like Doctor, uh, about Doctor Strange as uh, everything from Loki goes down, and seeing him in various, various states of, you know. Um, exasperated or something, but uh, so yeah, we'll see if that actually comes true uh, when the movie comes out, or Marvel actually confirms it at some point. Next up, 
Next up, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, 2, and 3 writer and director James Gunn publicly thanked Marvel Studios for fulfilling his now six-year-old wish with the latest episode of, or at the episode five of uh, the Loki Disney Plus show. His wish, quote, my wish from 2015, thanks for finally delivering Marvel Studios, for, for delivering Marvel Studios, Gunn tweeted. This was in reference to a tweet he shared in January of 2015 that read, Whoa, can't wait to see the Thanos copter in the MCU. Uh, in episode 5 of Loki, the Thanos copter, spoiler alert, does in fact appear, albeit completely trashed and trapped inside the void. Yep. Um, Marvel seemingly can... So I'm going to take this one to the next one, by the way. Um... Marvel seemingly confirms spoiler is a Loki variant, except for the fact that it's been debunked. Uh, so apparently there was a uh, tweet from Marvel Studios Canada um, that said that a high-ranking member of the Time Variance Authority could be an, another one of the series Loki variants. And on said picture, or on said tweet, was a picture of uh, B-15... Is it? Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, and that tweet is gone. But it was uh, <laughs> Hunter B15 and um, a, and a couple of actually, well, I think it was B15, maybe, uh, and somebody else. There was a couple other people here. Let me see if this other, um, other article mentions it. Uh, which I thought I did. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was uh, it was um, Hunter B fifteen, uh, and a couple other uh, and a couple other things. And uh, and Eric Martin, who's one of the writers on the show, basically said like one of these is not like the other. I'm paraphrasing there, but um, um, but there is that. So yeah. That that uh, that um, B fifteen was a variant, uh, Loki variant has been debunked. So, cut that, folks. Next up. Next up, thanks to our very own Tim Dog ninety eight. Well, I was about to say we yeah, we could skip this, but yeah. Well, because yeah. we talked about it. Exactly. There is a report. I had intended to use this article instead of the other one that I apparently I had put. Uh, that I put back in the lineup for some reason. Gotcha. But I'll just so. I'll just go quickly and say that sure. again, there is a report that Loki is set to appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So that is the report, and uh, we will see if this comes true. Yeah, and shout out to Tim, like you said. Um, actually, go ahead and take the next one. Yeah. All right, uh, Richard. Uh, Richard E. I was about to say, I, I clicked it, double clicked it, and it went back to mute. Richard oh. E. Grant already has a classic Loki slash Crokey spinoff worked out. So, um, the two characters are so popular that Grant has even come up with plans to give the world what it wants and put Crokey. It's really alligate, uh, a gator or alligator Rokey. Right, it's, it's a exactly. It's not a crocodile. It's not Crokey. And classic Loki together in their own spin-off series. In a recent interview with Collider, Grant discussed the remarkable reaction to the to his characters and his to his character and performance. 
on the show. So uh, he, um, you know, he, he put this plan together and and mm-hmm. uh, and worked it out. Yeah, and apparently, um, I guess he and Tom Hiddleston was talking about something, and Tom Hiddleston was right, and he was wrong about something, uh, as this article kind of goes on to say, um, about, I guess, how the portrayal, uh, or, I guess, the classic Loki portrayal was going to was gonna end up. So, there, there you go. Uh, next up, uh, Loki star Miss, excuse me, Loki star Tara Strong reveals why she loves Miss Minutes uh, fan theories. Because I guess there has been fan theories about it. It's it's been Miss Minutes all along. <laughs> the Tabar from One Division, um, which yeah, those was cute. Uh, so if y'all don't know who Tara Strong is, you definitely do know her voice because she has voiced y'all's childhoods, and and part of ours, um, or most of ours. Might as well go ahead and say. Um, uh, she says here, I have to say. Oh wait, so she's on the fan particular Yeah, she particularly loves fan speculation that Miss Minutes could secretly be behind the entire TVA. Uh, she says, "quote uh, I have to say, I just love the fact that they think she's behind it all." Strong revealed in the interview, um, because I've always loved playing these cute little girl characters who's also so powerful. Which alludes back to powerful girls. Um, and she says, we can go back to the Powerpuff Girls, these kindergarten to save the world before bedtime. I think it promotes girls and friends of girls to see the strength in girls and female characters. Uh, so, in fact, this thing she's behind it has just tickled me so much. And who knows? I mean, I don't know. We really can't say right now, although we do know right now. Um, but I think it's been very fun to think that she's the mastermind behind everything. So, there you go. Also, if you haven't checked out, and this is also going to be in the... Um, in the uh, the show notes, uh, Tara Strong's tweet, which is from her TikTok of her um, uh, in front of camera talking as Miss uh, Miss Minutes, which is uh, is a very much of a treat, uh, I will dare say. So you should definitely check that out uh, under the article uh, that we that was just mentioned. But it was very cute. Um, well. And I'm sure some in a very shoot. Uh, it was a, it was a kind of a thirst track, folks. Let's be honest. In, in certain respects, <laughs> I'm sure someone watched it as that. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. Um, next up, though. Next up, so uh, the composer uh, of the soundtrack to uh, the Loki show, Natalie Holt, uh, answered a tweet where uh, a fan tweet that proposed the idea that she helm a Star Wars the helm the music of a Star Wars project and she said and she responded with an oh my yes please so that is an indicator that she would in fact sign on to help compose the music for uh, a Star Wars movie uh, a yet to be you know developed Star Wars movie or Star Wars project Yes. We know there's a few out there. Uh, next up. Uh, the Simpsons Loki short contains about 100 Marvel Easter eggs, according to the showrunner of The Simpsons. Uh, I have, have you watched that? You haven't, you haven't neither have I. I have not. Yeah. Uh, that and the other one that was, um, that was Star Wars uh, focused. Uh, I haven't seen either one of those shorts or haven't watched them. But apparently, 
Uh, well, the Easter eggs are just the post-credit sequences. Uh, John told the CBR, we have Olden's wolf in a shot, and it was definitely patterned on that wolf. Just all of the references to Marvel, we put on that list. We yeah, we put on a list that publicly has that, and I think there's about 100 in it. Excuse me, so we put as many Easter eggs as we could in a four-and-a-half-minute short. And that's on Disney Plus, so you can go check that out as your leisure. Uh, and also goes into what that short is about, which we won't get into, in case you want to be going into it unspoiled. Next. Next up, uh, following Howard the Duck's appearance on Marvel's What If, Leah Thompson announces her desire to shoot the Marvel Duck's next theatrical film. So uh, she, saw, she apparently sees hashtag Howard the Duck trending on Twitter in response to the newly released Marvel's What If trailer featuring a brief Howard cameo. She tweeted, that's awesome. I love my duck. Uh, hashtag What If I get to direct uh, at Marvel Reboot. So that's interesting. You know, it, obviously for those of you not in the know or too young to know, Leah Thompson did in fact star in the original Howard the Duck anthropomorphic movie. Mm-hmm. Live action. She played Beverly, the, the love interest of Howard. Um, you know, that was well before Furries came up. Let me stop. Um, so, yeah, there's that. I don't know. I, You know what? Does the world need another Howard the Duck? Maybe, maybe not. But I would, you know, I'd watch it. Uh, next up, though, Kevin Feige says Marvel is done with massive multi-movie deals. Um, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige, I know um, Agent <laughs> 70 loves when that people say that, has outlined... He's just new- Kevin Feige! <laughs> has outlined a new strategy for hiring and maintaining actors in the MCU. Uh, during a recent interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Feige explained that Marvel is moving away from massive, massive multi- multi-movie deals it once offered to the stars. Instead, he hinted that the talent will stay aboard and return for additional projects if they are enthusiastic about the universe they've become a part of without needing an expansive uh, contract. Quote, uh, it varies project to project, cast to cast, Feige explained, reflecting on the sweeping talent uh, deals previously inked by the likes of Chris Evans and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Really what we want are people that come in, are excited to be in the universe, are excited at the opportunity to do more things as opposed to being locked into contractual obligations. Which, smart, sure. And But at this point, who hasn't been in a Marvel movie outside of like, you and me? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I do have a list uh, of, of kind of like the major stars that still haven't been in uh, an MCU movie or even a comic book movie, period. But or even that, a show? Yeah, or even a show. I mean, I have to update that now. But ultimately... You know, it's it's weird to hear this because we know that, you know, they wanted to lock in these actors so that they wouldn't have to have to constantly renegotiate or recast. And the mm-hmm. few times that they've had to recast is because they just didn't get along with the actor. How would that really? Yeah. That's really what it came down to. You know, you know, people like uh, uh, Ed Norton or uh, Terrence Howard. Howard. You know, they just mm-hmm. couldn't work it out. So. Yeah. And I think it, it it mostly turned out for the better. So maybe, so. maybe you know, it, it's it's weird to think about that. You know, uh, I guess they just weren't fans of the, the 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 publicity that some of those statements got. Like, well, I've got this contract, 
you know, and some of the actors not necessarily being fans of those long contracts that they signed. So, right. That, I guess that's the only reason for this. Or yeah, one of I the big reasons for one it. One of them, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. But, and also, as I'm thinking about it, if you think about when they did those contracts, they were, this was phase one. So they wanted to get a lot off the ground and running and people, you know, people from place to place and moving to movie and things that things, you know, th- there was a lot they was building in the phase one that possibly ne- necessitated, necessitated, uh, necessitated rather, uh, the long contracts because they want people kind of, you know, going around from, they might want some people going around from one place to another, like Sebastian stands kind of in a, a couple of things, granted mostly to the, the, the cap stuff. Uh, you know, I guess uh, Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury has been the one that's been kind of moving around from movie to movie, most in, most of everybody. But now they don't have to do that anymore because everything is established and that's not necessary. So that's what it kind of makes sense on that front to me. I don't know. Whatever else is involved in it and, and everything you said, it, it probably being the case also. Like that is also a, a big enough reason. Next up, though. Next uh, up. Catherine Hawk. No, I was about to say, I think this is my story, because I think you did, yeah. So, uh, Catherine Hahn will return to the MCU as Agatha Harkness hints Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige. Mm -hmm. So, um, in an interview with Rotten Tomatoes, Kevin Feige said, quote, Someday, someday soon, you will see Catherine Hahn in Knives Out 2 next, then maybe an assortment of other things, but within the MCU, it can't come soon enough, let's put it that way. So... Yeah, my guess is that she's going to show up in Doctor Strange. I would believe that. That that makes the most sense out of anything else that would, unless something else comes along, right. or she's in Loki season two for some odd reason, right? Um, which I would doubt, you know. So yeah, looking forward to that because that that character was uh, was great, or at least well, yeah, that and the, that character was great. Period. Full stop. Uh, Kevin Feige teases the rest of the MCU phase for in a new video. Uh, so apparently, uh, Feige teases what to expect from the rest of phase four. In uh, it took a wait, hmm. what to expect uh, from the rest of phase four. It took a little bit of time before the franchise restarted after uh, Infinity War, Infinity Saga, due to the coronavirus pandemic. So far, there's also been the, all the the uh, aforementioned uh, Marvel TV shows and my, uh, Black Widow. But apparently, to 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 put this all into the thing, we got Black Panther coming up, Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness coming up, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder come also are all coming up, and um, Shang Chi, Shang Chi also in that slate. I don't know if this this uh, mentions that. Yes, it does. And Eternals also on that slate. So basically, Rotten Tomatoes has a video out there with Kevin Feige that talks about this. Um, and you can check it out in the article. Next. Alright, so the 2021 Emmy nominations came out and uh, several of the streaming shows that are are based on comic books and genre uh, topics and ideas are actually nominated in the 2021 Emmys. There is a full list here in this article over at comicbook.com but it is uh, great to see uh, some of our 
so, uh, some of our shows being acknowledged in the Emmys. Yeah. In fact, yeah. In fact, the one that's got the most nods was WandaVision. Exactly. And well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yes. Because, as we were saying earlier, it is uh, an incredible feat to pull off that kind of show. You know, obviously, in the given the backdrop of uh, of the, the times that it was... It was uh, uh, released in, you know, being home and during the pandemic, you know, it was still just an incredible work. Right. And shout out to Bobby Fish and uh, um, and Peggy um, Schuler, Scheister. What was her last name in, in Hamilton? Skyler. Skyler. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. For because they were the ones who um, hosted the nominees, uh, uh, the, the nominees list. Who's your father and daughter, uh, Ron Cephas Jones and Jasmine Cephas Jones? If right. you didn't know, um, so yeah, but yeah, like like I just seventy said, the the list is out there, uh, is down there, and uh, you can see me kind of run through it really, really fast. But we won't go into all of that. Um, Talking with the soldier also was on that list. Is on the list, which brings us to the next article because Don Cheadle is confused by Emmy nomination for Falcon and Winter Soldier cameo. He's like, I don't really get it. So, um, uh, so yeah, Don Cheadle got a uh, got an Emmy nod for being in the show for all of four minutes at the beginning of the first episode of the series. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So he says here, um, uh, yeah, and even though, even this article is like, yeah, Cheadle was in two scenes and hardly. Um, um, was in two scenes, and one of those scenes he was just listening to another character. He was listening to the Sam talk. So, uh, uh, but he says, thanks, well-wishers. Sorry, haters. Uh, Twitter, uh, Cheeto wrote on his Twitter page. I don't really get it either, but here we go. So, yeah. And that's that. And that's, that's that, like you said, that was pretty funny that he got a nod for, a nod for that. Uh, so, next up, though. Right, so did you see this particular uh, trailer reaction video? Yes, so I, I did. did too, and I was sh- I was shocked um, mm-hmm. by it, but at the same time, I you know I you know I, I understand the hyperbole behind these headlines. Yeah, exactly. So Deadpool finally crosses over to the MCU as part of a Free Guy trailer reaction. So the Free Guy movie is the next Ryan Reynolds vehicle, which is due in theaters on August 13th. But we actually get a trailer reaction to a trailer reaction video in addition to the, you know, obviously in addition to the trailer uh, that stars Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, but also Taika Waititi as Korg Mm -hmm. from Ragnarok and from Infinity War and from Endgame. He does. Korg does, in fact, join the Avengers charge at the end of Endgame. So uh, it's a pretty interesting way of tying uh, things together kind of outside the Marvel Universe, but kind of not. Because you can't help but notice that, yeah, that is a Marvel character that is an MCU character that is hanging out with a Fox Marvel character. So you know what? It's, you know... Uh, the family's been reunited in a sense. 
Right, but also the easiest one they could do because obviously Ryan Reynolds and Taika Waititi are in this freak out movie that they that they were um, talking about. Right, so. but they don't own these characters, so that's right. where right that's the kicker. They are the actual actors. They, as you said, they are both in this free guy movie, but they don't own these characters that they're portraying in this trailer reaction. So that's where right. the, the 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 connection is is you know made me do a double take. I was like, this really exists? Well, they are owned by the same parent company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, easier to do. But also, as as far as the the video in itself, like I felt like it was kind of dry. Now, granted, I am not the, I am well established as um, I, a not a big Deadpool um, fan, so you know the the kind of humor that that comes off uh, is is you know. And Ryan Reynolds, actually, I'm not that big on either in that much more anymore. So I don't know. That's just you know whatever. But it was all right. You know you. If, yeah. Check it out if you feel like it. I say that. Um, but next up, uh, Henry Cavill, Samuel L. Jackson, and more join Matthew Vaughn's new star-studded spy thriller. Um, so Matthew Vaughn's next big-budget franchise has been announced, and the cast is seriously star-studded. Henry Cavill of The Witcher, Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards, Bryce Dallas Howard of Jurassic World, Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad, some would say that Godzilla movie also, but you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara, Creek, uh, John Cena uh, from Suicide Squad, you, you kind of already know where these people are, I don't know why I'm doing all of that, but Samuel Jackson from everything else uh, are set to star the project titled Argyle. Um, Marvel, oh, Marvel Studios, wow, this, um, this article needs a little bit of editing. Uh, Marvel Studios, founded by Marv Studios. Oh, wait, maybe that's not a typo, but the other one is. Uh, Marv Studios, founded by Vaughn, made the announcement and revealed that Dua Lipa, uh, the pop, pop style behind New Rules and Physical, will be making her acting debut in the movie, as well as prefer, uh, performing the title, track, and score. Filming begins in August later this year. And apparently it's based off a spy, a spy novel... Uh, of the same name by author Ellie Conway. The book hasn't even been released yet, apparently. Um, but the story follows the world's greatest spies is caught up in a globetrotting adventure. Um, the franchise, which doesn't sound, yeah, basically sounds kind of like Kingsman, which I know there's another one of those that's coming out. Um, also with Matthew Vaughn. Uh, there you go. Next up. All right, next up, um, Netflix and Mark Miller announce King of Spies. So, it's Millar. No, I've actually heard him say it's Miller, believe what? it or not. Yeah. I have, I have, every time I've heard the heard it's Millar, so okay. Um, but he's, yeah, cool. Move yeah. Right Keep going. <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, I think it was an interview with him. So right. No, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not doubting yeah. you, though, because I, that, I just... Uh, I'm sure you have you have heard of as I have. Mm-hmm. I've done it. So when yeah. I heard him say no, it's actually Miller. I was like, oh, whoops. So, huh. um, so his next comic book with Netflix is comic book movie or project has been with Netflix has been announced in the form of King of Spies, a new original series that will begin as a graphic novel from the Eisner Award nominee. Um, and so the press release 
called King of Spies an original Netflix property and revealed that the artwork from the graphic novel will be based on designs created by the team of Netflix at Netflix. Okay. Interesting. Not gonna lie, I like Malar better. But <laughs> um, Jupiter's Legacy stars react to apparent Netflix cancellation and spinoff news. So I guess Netflix canceled that Jupiter Legacy um, show after one season, which the Bay debuted on May seventh. According to Deadline, the cast has been released from their obligations and contracts to the series. Instead, the franchise will pivot uh, to become an anthology. Excuse me. In closing that door, Netflix has also opened a window. Uh, Deadline is also reporting that the streaming service has greenlit a live-action adaptation of Super Crooks, which goes deeper into Miller's world of supervillains. Uh, yeah, Miller sounds way better. Um, uh, supervillains feature in Jupiter's Legacy, uh, said Miller. We are confident we return to Jupiter's Legacy, which could come back in a different iteration. Netflix has, also has an animated adaptation of Super Crooks on the way, so uh, this all amounts to a lot of great news and content for Super Crooks fans. Okay. Next up. Alrighty. Uh, Netflix's Witcher prequel recasts Sophia Brown in the lead role. Okay. Jodie Turner-Smith had to step down from the Witcher Blood origin because of a scheduling conflict. Interesting. So, you know, the show must go on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really it's a real recasting simply because the original actress had to step down because of a scheduling conflict. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic 80s cartoon Silverhawks is getting a revival. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, the Nacelle company, known for producing Netflix's uh, The Toys That Made Us, is reviving the classic 1980s uh, cartoon Silverhawks. Uh, Silverhawks is a beloved franchise that has been overlooked for far too long, said Brian Flynn, the founder and owner of Toy Company and Silverhawks IP holder Super 7. Um, we are excited to be working with Nacelle to bring Silverhawks back into the limelight for the diehard fans as well as a new generation of fans to experience the magic of Silverhawks for the first time. Uh, if they don't get Tallyhawk right, there's going to be a problem. That's all I'm saying. I like Silverhawks. I was a fan. I, was, I thought it was cool. I was yeah. definitely disappointed when it went off the air. And this is, and ladies and gentlemen, this is in the, the days when uh, nobody had news at their fingertips or a computer supercomputer in their pockets so we had no idea what was going on when it came to shows getting canceled so when it didn't come back i was like what happened this is such a good cartoon so mm-hmm. you know i always liked the design yeah. the design was the best so now yeah now obviously some would some folks would say oh it's just a thundercast ripoff and it kind of was but not really, because it's, if I'm not mistaken, it was the same company, so they were just re- <laughs> repurposing their own uh, stuff. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> exactly. Their own, their own themes. Um, so, anyway, that, look forward to that when that happens. Uh, and go dig out those Silver Hawks, car- Silver Hawks cartoons. Right. I'm pretty sure they're out there somewhere. Right. Follow Hulu or something. Uh, Elmer Fudd gets his gun back in HBO Max. Oh, no, I was about to say, uh, this is my story. Oh, 
Because you had the honor of announcing oh, that right, uh, Silverhawks right, is yeah. getting a revival. Uh, now you have the honor of talking about Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd gets his gun back in HBO Max's Looney Tunes revival. After losing his guns in last year's Looney Tunes cartoons, Elmer Fudd is back to shooting at Bugs Bunny with his hunting rifle in the new season. That is it in a nutshell. Uh, there we go. One of us is going to end up doing it. <laughs> uh, so wait, hold on. Uh, does it say when that is going to pop off? Uh, oh, apparently it's out today. Really? Yeah, new Looney Tunes cartoons out today. Now with guns, treated the the executive producer Pete Browngard. So yeah, I guess it's out there. Which wait, when does this article came out? The eighth. Uh, detent- yeah. Yeah, but the tweet was from the eighth. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I feel like I was like, yeah, maybe I did see this when I was looking through HBO Max and thought it was something that was already out there. Yeah, it's been a week. Um, Look at that. Yeah, yeah. New Star Trek movie is happening. Chris Pine's crew returns with One Division director. Um, the next Star Trek movie is moving forward with One Division director Matt Shackman. Uh, Deadline reports that Shackman has been has just signed a deal to direct the next untitled Star Wars Trek movie for Paramount and Bad Robots J.J. Abrams. Following several false starts, which is kind of an understatement, uh, to get the franchise's next movie off the ground, uh, the news comes shortly after Shackman's WandaVision nabbed 23 uh, Emmy nominations this year, instantly making everyone involved a much hotter commodity, as this article writes. And that's, that's not not wrong. Um, of course, the biggest question most everyone will have about the new Star Trek is if it will serve as a continuation of the previous movies. Per deadline, the plan is for the original, quote-unquote, original cast from the reboot timeline, that's the Kelvin timeline, folks, <clears throat> um, the one led by Chris Pine, to come back for the sequel. Uh, Lindsay Beer and Gen- uh, Geneva Robertson pen the screenplay for the movie, and Shackman will be seated in the director's chair. So... Look forward to for that when that happens. And I could have sworn, like, Chris Pine and um, Chris Hemsworth at one part was not coming back to those movies because of money. I, re- uh, I remember we reported on a story like yes, that exactly. at some point. I definitely remember that. That does ring a bell. So, I guess some got him back on, Dan. Um, next up. Next up. So, in... Uh, a new featurette that was shared uh, ahead of Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins titled Insane Ninja Training. Uh, a new featurette has been released and it offers a behind-the-scenes look at the film's production, fight training, cool stunt work that we'll be seeing in the film. Uh, the promo also features interviews with the cast and crew and shows off some new action packed footage from the film i am still so conflicted about snake eyes gi joe origins it's casting of henry golding as snake eyes um it's i'm very conflicted by this Mm, yeah i am i i am from for my for my own reasons you know okay For, for my own reasons just conflicted you know well, my conflict comes from the, the whole, yeah, I, I get that this is an origin story, and at some point Snake Eyes did talk, but still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to handle it, and some of the people that we know are showing up in, in this that possibly, probably shouldn't be, I don't, we don't know. 
but you know. I, well, I mean, yeah, this is I, supposed I to this is supposed to you know cover his origin up until a certain thing happens to him. I presume. Right. So, right. you know, I understand that. So, but uh, but you know you know may have to do a, a, a whole show on 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 my misgivings about this movie. I suspect I know one of them, but um, sure. You know, but, but. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on to uh, the next story. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is me? Uh, yeah, you've got the la- you got the honor of the yeah. last cinematic news story. Huh. Uh, I have the honor to be uh, John Wick Four adds Marco Zoror as one of the hitman's enemies. Um, much like the roster of action stars, uh, the the cast of John Wick Four continues to beef up his franchise as beef up as franchise newcomer Marco Zoror is in talks to board the sequel. The Chilean stuntman joins the third entry in the Hitman series. Um, wait. Uh, you mean the fourth entry into the series, and not to be confused with Hitman, because there is an actual some Hitman movies, so not to be confused with those, as one of Wick's main pursuers, uh, as Deadline reports. Zeror made a name for himself on screen uh, in From Dust Till Dawn, the series, where he played Zolo, the undead Aztec warrior demon who trained in hell. Okay, because I have no idea who this person was. Uh, and apparently he was a stunt double for The Rock uh, and uh, he was also in Machete Kills which I still have yet to see so okay there you go next up uh, so we're, uh, gonna we're going to transition into yep. the, the um, cartoon the comic book news Uh, MCU, Funk, uh, MCU Loki Funko Pops, including Alligator Loki and the other available uh, other variants, are about. So I know during the news I did some there was a, a good bit of Funko Pop news, and I can't remember if I did this one or not, which is why this one is here. But yeah, there are Loki variant uh, Funko Pops, not Sylvie, mind you, but <laughs> Kid Loki, Classic Loki, Alligator Loki, and uh, looks like President Loki. Uh, are the ones here. So if you're wanting any of those, they will be out there soon enough. Next. Next up, uh, Deadpool, the most popular manga of 2021, gets an English release. Okay. So fans... That's true. Fans waiting to get their hands on the English edition of the Deadpool Samurai manga now have a release window to look forward to. Viz Media announced Deadpool Samurai, the most popular manga of 2021, will release in uh, spring 2021. Uh, Spring 2022, that is. Must be a typo. Uh, Announcement. Deadpool moves to Tokyo and encounters just about every kind of shonen trope you can think of. Viz Media's tweet reads... Chaos and humor collide in Deadpool Samurai out spring 2022. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely not the typo because, yeah. Yeah, I just fixed it. Past I, yeah, I, I was about to say, I fixed it in our news. Well, no, it's in the article. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it must be a typo in their article. Yeah. But 
Yeah, nevertheless, that that is a thing. And we knew, I think we did know this was coming anyway, and along with a couple of other Marvel uh, manga. Uh, but I think this is the first one to come out, and that's going to be spring of next year. So there you go. Uh, but next up, uh, Spirit of Vengeance. Sp- uh, Spirit Rider teams up Kushala and Johnny Blaze. So Kushala rides again in the upcoming Marvel Comics one-shot, one-shot Spirits of Vengeance Spirit Rider. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas' Taboo is working with longtime friend and co-writer B. Earl excuse me, on this special one-shot with art from Paul Davidson and the recently added uh, Jeffrey Varege. Varege? I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm so sorry. Varege, uh, yeah. August. It's Varege. Yeah, I was about to say, um, whatchamacallit, he, he's uh, having some health issues, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was about to mention that as well. Um, uh, in August 4th, Spirits of Vengeance. So I don't know if we're going to see another uh, article at some point, whether he's still on this order or whether maybe his stuff is already, a lot of stuff is already done. Um, but he said recently added, so I don't know you know, how much is left to do. Um, in August 4th, Spirits of Vengeance, Spirit Rider of the 1800s, uh, Sorcerer Supreme Ghost Rider will team up with the modern game day Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze. Um... So, yeah, there you go. Nothing, you know. Uh, and apparently this is probably going to follow up some of that Johnny Blaze uh, King of Hell stuff, I guess. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Next up. Okay, next up. Marvel's next Black Panther series has been delayed for three months. Uh, the upcoming Black Panther series by John Ridley and Juan Cabal has been delayed. The publisher informed retailers that the monthly series originally planned to launch on August 4th has now been postponed to November 3rd. The second issue is now slated to arrive December 1st. Marvel did not disclose the reason for the delay. However, the previous volume did have routine schedule issues, not including an 11-month hiatus during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah... Alrighty. Uh, Spider-Man's powers can resist two of the Infinity Stones, and this is spoilers from the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2, which I think was last week. Um, so, apparently... Uh, let's see. Not without going into this whole story about that Infinity uh, thing. Um... Take my word for it. I believe this has something to do with the spider. I remember seeing it, but uh, it has something to do with the spider sense and one of his other, uh, um, one of his other powers. So, but yeah, there is that. Uh, next up, okay. Uh, Iron Man becomes Prison Man in the October Marvel Darkhold special. So, uh, Iron Man reads from the Darkhold and his armor turns into a prison in the October special. Spoilers! Yeah. Right, so it's a one, it's a one shot that's related to the Darkhold miniseries. Right. Yeah, I guess it's the middle portion of the Darkhold event. Alright, so there's going to be five one shots serving as the middle portion of the Darkhold event. So this is one of those five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel writer Al Ewing takes us inside the psychedelic realities of his new Defenders comic series. Um, 
I'm just kind of cut to the chase. That uh, next month, Ewing and artist Javier Rodriguez will launch an all-new five-issue Defenders series, featuring a lineup of the supergroup uh, representing all different eras of its strange history. Uh, as they delve into what Marvel Comics solicits uh, for the series call the hidden architecture of reality itself. Uh, in the process, they'll venture deep in, uh, into the past of the Marvel multiverse, meet some unexpected major players, and pay off some storylines that Ewing's been building ever since uh, Marvel Comics 1000 two years ago. And the rest of it is an article. Uh, the rest of the article is uh, um, is um, talking with uh, Ewing from uh, Sci-Fi. So, and a, a first look at some preview pages therein. So you take a check a look at that if you so inclined. Next up. Next up, uh, I'm muted. Next up, uh, Mr. Knight takes flight in Moon Knight number one preview. So if you take a look at this preview of pages from the upcoming Moon Knight series, uh, from writer Jed McKay and artist Alessandro Capuccio, um, it's going to uh, come out soon, beginning with July 21st, Moon Knight number one. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, that's next week. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we had, I think we had, we had heard about this previously. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I was about to say, I have it on my pull list. I'm curious to see what McKay does with it. Yep. Indeed. Uh, so, Badass Mofo, 25th Anniversary Companion and Toilet Reader. So this is a Kickstarter uh, from one David F. Walker, writer of uh, Bitter Root and Power Man and Iron Fist and other things. He wrote a book. Um, I do remember hearing about this book when I, when I first um, heard about David F. Walker. Um, basically, you know, David F. Walker is a lover of uh, black exploitation, uh, and the, this is uh, the first issue of his zine from back in the, from 25 years ago. Um, he says here, primarily as an expression of my appreciation for black exploitation, uh, filled with poorly written political and incorrect reviews of black exploitation movies, as well as all kinds of uh, the pop culture insanity. Uh, Badass Mofo has been an important part of his life uh, for a long time, and now it's time to celebrate a quarter century of badassery and mofoishness. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, go check out the, the Kickstarter and um, back the project. Which uh, has, uh, as of this recording, 22 days to go. Next up. All righty. He also wrote Shaft. So, a uh, Shaft comic back in uh, uh, a few years ago, which is another reason why I came across him. So, yeah. Anyway. All righty. Uh, Mattel has uh, put out its, uh, ha- has released teases for its San Diego Comic Con 2021 exclusives. They'll be available on Mattel Creations next Thursday, July 22nd at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So, uh, Roddy Catch would have this up. You can get your hands on a Hot Wheels Batman first appearance Batmobile, which is red, um, or at least a maroonish color. It has Batman behind the wheel with his Robin, with Robin riding alongside. Uh, it com- it comes in collectible packaging that reproduces uh, the cover from Detective Comics number 27. That's interesting looking, to say the least. 
You also get a Hot Wheels Star Wars green Darth Vader character car. Okay. So Roddy Cat should be scrolling past this. And you also get... Oh my gosh. Kevin! So you get... A, from Pixar's Up, Kevin and Baby's Pack... Featuring the elusive tropical bird Kevin and three babies. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical! I'm that glad you knew who that funny. was. I had never seen. Uh, you've never seen, seen Up? Shows. No, I have not. Oh, you've got to watch Up, but be prepared to be in tears like the first I, like two minutes. That, that is, yeah, actually, that part I have seen, and that's the reason why I have not watched it. <laughs> it is so sad, at least at the beginning. You know, it's they don't warn you. That's the thing. They don't warn you. They don't tell you coming in. You're forewarned, and it's a you know it's a tough watch, but it's still a very worthwhile movie to watch. Uh, also, you get uh, the Jurassic Park uh, scene, the final Ray Arnold scene. So you get Chief Engineer John Raymond Ray Arnold, that's uh, played by Sam Jackson, uh, heading to the maintenance shed, being run down by a Velociraptor. It's kind of sad, but it's you know it's still kind of cool that uh, that they decided to do this, and it does come with a detachable Sam Jackson arm. Oh gosh, that's a spoiler mm. alert for a very old movie. Uh, you also get uh, <laughs> a hey, WWE eaten by a shark. So right, no, uh, I was laughing at the WWE Ultimate Edition Sergeant Slaughter. Oh my goodness. That is so so funny. So yeah, that is also coming out as a as a Mattel exclusive for uh, San Diego Comic Con online. Look at that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and yes, as, as Agent Seven said, I just uh, as he was talking about it, I uh, showed him on the video version of the program. Uh, if you are so inclined, you should check out the video version sometime. Uh, Aquaman and Green Arrow team up in a new series. Uh, DC icons Green Arrow and Aquaman are teaming up in a new series titled Deep Target uh, starring in October Uh, as this article says hey it doesn't have the same ring as Green Lantern Green Arrow but at least they will both wear green Uh, in the new the new seven issue series was confirmed by DC but first announced via Twitter by writer Brandon Thomas who will also write the upcoming Aquaman solo limited series Aquaman Becoming which I believe is the one that features uh, Jackson Hyde. Um, it says, Arthur Curry and Oliver Queen team up and throw down in Deep Target, a mind-bending, world-altering adventure that launches in October, read to- Thomas's tweet. So, there you go. Uh, the series will be illustrated by running cliche, cli- cliche or cliche, uh, Ulysses Ariola, uh, with uh, covers by Marco Santucci and Inyuk in- Lee. Next. Okay. Uh, DC is set to launch a new human target title by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. And this is a new black label DC title. And it's going to debut in November, kicking off a 12-issue run. Okay. Yeah. It's not a character I'm that familiar with, so. Yeah, one that actually had a very short-lived TV show also, apparently. Um, yeah, so in the tradition of Tom King's 12-issue uh, runs, here's another one. Uh, DC has long-term plans for Green Arrow's son, Connor Hawk, apparently. 
Uh, comic writer Joshua Williamson recently revealed that Green Arrow's son, Connor Hawk, will play a big role in both his Robin series and the ongoing Infinite Frontier era at DC Comics moving forward. Uh, Connor Hawk is a major part of the Robin book for the tournament arc, and the tournament arc is long, uh, Williamson explained in a new ex- uh, interview with The Beat. Excuse me, it's not a short arc. Uh, the tournament itself doesn't start until issue six. Um, so the writer adds that they have so much more story, so much story to tell in regard to both Connor and Robin that the arc is expected to spread across two issues. Um, okay. Uh, the editors were like, "This is too packed." Uh, uh, Williamson recalls about turning in his initial drafts. We all decided let's break it in two. I had to do some rewriting and some fixing, but for the most part, we didn't want to rush it. So there you go. And apparently, um, uh, it's been a long time since Connor Hawk has been in the DCU. Um, it says here ten years, so, and that Williamson likes that character, which is why, uh, which is another reason why um, the character is getting so much play. It's been a Next long up. time. <laughs> Indeed. Next up. All right. Uh, the Batman screenwriter asks, what if Batman was real in a new comic book series? Batman the Imposter is a new and different look at Gotham's Guardian as he begins his war on crime. Um, the series will examine Batman through the lens of trying to make him seem as real as possible. Uh, the October 12th day and date launch in print and digital will be matched by localized print versions of the series in 13 territories, Spain, Germany, Brazil, and many other countries around the world. DC has already announced the series will be collected in a hardcover format on February 22nd, 2022. As I said, it's written by film director and screenwriter Matson Tomlin and, um, looking for the art... The cover is by Andrea Sorrentino, but uh, no artist listed here in... Oh, it's illustrated by Andrea Sorrentino. Okay. So he is, uh, he's cut his Gotham City teeth on Batman-related titles like writer Jeff Lemire's Joker Killer Smile and Batman the Smile Killer. Okay. All right. DC honors 80th anniversary of Wonder Woman with 12 new t- 12 titles. Excuse me. Um... For the global celebration of Wonder Woman, DC is honoring the iconic character's 80th anniversary with a vibrant collection of commemorative releases, free editions, and new series uh, launches, all starring DC's Champion of Truth and Warrior of Peace. Uh, headlined by the inspiring anthology showcasing 23 trailblazing women around the world, wonderful women of the world, uh, DC will also thrill Wonder Woman fans with a 100-page spectacular a commemorative hardcover and multiple brand new series all set to release this fall um, to the global celebration of Wonder Woman Day on October 21st. One of those particular series that is starting up, uh, as I come to find out today, is um, uh, Nubia and the Amazons, which is being uh, written by Stephanie Williams and uh, Vita Ayala. Uh, and um, um, Alitha uh, Martinez, I believe, is doing the art on it. Um, so that was something that um, that I saw on Twitter today, which was a uh, which was a cool thing to see. Um, let's see, yeah, Alitha Martinez, and yeah, that's that. So that's going to launch October fifth. 
So if you're a fan of Nubia, you can definitely check that out. But also, there's going to be other um, um, other Wonder Woman related stuff, such as a couple of things that's already out. You know, like Wonder Girl and Wonder Woman Black and Gold, and a bunch of other stuff uh, around that time. <laughs> Next up, uh, in some really really sad news that came out this week. We we got word that uh, critically acclaimed DC artist Robson Roca passed away at the age of 41 after a battle with COVID-19. Roca is best known for his work on Green Lanterns, Aquaman, and his recent work on Future State Justice League. Last week, uh, donations were being requested for blood by associates of Roca in Brazil. He's, uh, Roca was born in Brazil, lived in Minas Gerais, and signed an exclusive deal with DC in 2016, leading to him working on projects within DC Rebirth. Um, his comic work preceded this as he began working in the industry in 2010 on titles within the New 52, such as Lobo, Birds of Prey, and Batman Superman. I can tell you that uh, listening to interviews, podcast interviews with... Um, uh oh my gosh, her name just slipped my mind. Uh Matt Fraction's wife. Oh, oh, um 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 She wrote Aquaman and she mentioned the uh yes. Roka's art as being a, a selling point for her uh really enjoying her time on Aquaman. What why am I why is she why is it blanking? Why is she it's late on... it's late in the night, uh folks. My brain has shorted out. I cannot remember. Um, uh, oh my god! What did the Google say? Um, We're gonna kick ourselves for not remembering. Yeah, I I see a figure right now, but it's just Kelly Sue DeConnick. Kelly Sue DeConnick. Shame on both of us for not remembering this off the top of the dome. I know her face. I see her face because yes, yeah, I saw her face when you said it, and I couldn't remember her name. It slipped. It was literally on the tip of my tongue, and I'm like, wait, she's married to Matt Fraction. I should know this. This is stupid. You know, I, you know, we followed her career ever since she joined comics. You know, writing comics, and you know, obviously her her uh, her uh, groundbreaking run on Captain Marvel. You yes. know, and creating you know uh, creating that particular evolution of the character. Sorry about that, Kelly Sue. But yeah, uh, definitely. But but getting back to the crux of this story, yeah, um, I remember hearing uh, a podcast where Kelly Sue DeConnick was the, uh, the interviewee and she went on and on about Robson Roca have, you know, during such great work. And we were familiar with it, but because we're not the biggest DC heads, we right. knew it by sight, not necessarily by name. You know, right. we've, we've endeavored to learn more about creators by naming them in our credit, you know, when we're doing reviews so that we, so that we've become familiar with some art styles, but if we're not reading Aquaman, we really wouldn't have seen too much of Roca's stuff. We probably saw it on recent stuff, recent issues of Justice League, but you know, it just hadn't created that kind of impact on us. I was following his Insta, but uh, you know, I can tell you that this is a huge loss for the comic book community and the artist community as a whole. Uh, very sad to hear. And, you know, and it's unfortunate that, you know, especially in Brazil, where they were literally hosting a a soccer tournament, despite, uh, you know, rapidly rising uh, COVID-19 rates, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I hate to stand on a soapbox, but if you can, folks, get your vaccinations. Exactly. Um, 
if you want to smash some dude named Scott, go, 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 go get shot. Some of y'all know where that comes from. Exactly. Um, and I think there is a, there's probably still a GoFundMe out there. I don't have a link to it in this article, but I believe there is a GoFundMe for uh, Roka's family. So probably, take a yeah. look for that on the Googles. Yep, indeed. And we might try to put that in the show notes. Um, but move around and shout out to uh, Kelly Shudikamik because you know, we love her. Uh, I like to go around. I can't speak for AG70. But. Um, he-Man's power has a dramatic due origin in Netflix's Masters of the Universe. Um, and this is spoilers from the comic book, not the show, cause I, which came out last week, which neither one of us had um, read, uh, but I intended to at some point. Uh, Netflix's upcoming Masters of the Universe revelation is a, an anticipated, much-anticipated direct sequel to the original 1983 animated series. And it's rumored to uncover new secrets about He-Man and his allies on Eternia. First of these secrets have just been revealed in the pages of uh, Revelation's prequel comic book series, and it changes everything previously known about the Sword of Power. I won't go into it too much uh, more than that, uh, just in case you're quite interested in that. But uh, I don't know if you're so interested, check that book out, I guess. Next up. Alrighty, next up, what are we up to? Action figures, right? Mm-hmm. Action figures for Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation series are now up for pre-order. The first wave of figures include He-Man, Mossman, Skeletor, Evil Lynn, Spycor, Beast Mantilla, Man-at-Arms, a 9-inch tall Skelegod, which I actually saw on the Fat Man Beyond uh, YouTube uh, show of the uh, of that that uh, self-same podcast mm-hmm. and a 14 inch long battle cat these are all available at entertainment earth and are priced at 23.99 to 40.99 you can also get them at retail stores and uh you can see the um the the um the figures alongside their boxes uh on the video version of this uh, of the show and in the show notes uh last but not least um, pretty sure that's the case. Let me make sure. I'm known to skip some things. Power Rangers deck building game announces its first expansion. Uh, Renegade Game Studios has announced the first standalone expansion for Power Rangers deck building game. Uh, the expansion is called Zeo Stronger Than Before. And uh, the article writer is apparently pumped. Uh, Zio is one of their favorite seasons, and, and they are excited that, uh, that it's going to add characters to the game. Um, there are also new Zio subcrystals excuse me, that can be acquired by both teams. Um, and the article writer is not sure what to do with them yet, but uh, the pre-orders for Zio Stronger Than Four are live on the Renegade store. And apparently you'll get a bonus pack, too, if you uh, pre-order. Which adds uh, General Vengex uh, to the game, along with his Shatterclaw weapon, two alternate uh, art hit points, energy trackers, and Serpentera. So, I have not played that game. I did not know that existed. So, yeah, I didn't know anything about that, I don't think. There you go, though. And that, folks, is the news, and thereby the end of the show for us. But first, 
Can we get one more ad read? Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always ship free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And folks, with that uh, ends this show for this week. We thank each and every one of you for coming through, coming by, um, listening, watching, whichever way you came through. Uh, we'll be back next week, same bad time, same great channel. I have been Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites therein, and probably bite under comic reviews, no vowels, uh, if that's still a thing. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 uh, on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. You can also find Tim at com, uh, CB Cron, excuse me, on Twitter. That's the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, you can also find Tim at uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's the K L I Q T A N A T I O N. Excuse me, all one word. Also, theclicknation.com. But um, mostly, you can find Tim over at Comic Book Resources at cbr.com. Right in his face off. And again, you find this here show on cspn.us. Do it today. Right, that's the Coles of the Podcast Network, KQANO. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coles of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us on uh, live every Thursday night, 9.30 ish p.m. on either twitch.tv slash combo chronicles or youtube.com slash the click nation where we go live and you can check us out uh, again uh, audio comes out uh, after a couple of days after that on Sunday ish most times um, on the affirmation podcast brutal places of choice so go there and with that folks this has been the the chronicle this has been the comic book chronicles Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your 